I tried to not make this a long episode, I'm sorry. I'm Matthew. I'm Marty. I'm Carlos. And we are the Heroes 3. Welcome to Heroes 3, the bi-weekly podcast where three friends explore the best, worst, and everything in between in the world of Asian cinema. And welcome back from our little uh, our little break for January 2019. Hey! Thank, thank, you for, thank you for coming back to check out Street Fighter 2 movie from yeah. 1994. Hell yeah. This is the most Carlos episode we've ever done, so I'm going to let Carlos take it away. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, um, where do I start with this? This is... Uh, <laughs> we're still in our broad realm of uh, Asian cinema, so... It is Asian cinema. It is Japanese. So. We're watching anime. This movie came out in 1994, and Street Fighter is such a huge part of my life. <laughs> you probably all know that by now. And um, I remember as a kid... Flipping through, I don't know, EGM or uh, uh, Die Hard Game Fan, these old magazines. And, you know, in the middle of all this Street Fighter madness, there's like, oh, coming soon, there's a Street Fighter animated movie coming out. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what is this? Um, so, Do you remember around like what age you yeah, like I probably was like I want to say like thirteen or fourteen. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, as I was yeah. like watching this because this is actually the first time that I've gotten to see it, and yeah, I was just like wishing that I could have watched it when I was like twelve or thirteen or something. Oh man, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, what what happened is so I would say the following year, ninety five, me and my family we went to like my first comic book convention, which was uh, Chicago Comic Con at the time and, oh, very cool. and I had never been to anything like this and I was just really in the like com into com I was a big into like Marvel and Image at the time all of these yeah. kind of like following artists like Jim Lee was like you know one of my favorite artists at the time and yeah, totally. um, walking through Chicago Comic Con and knowing that Jim Lee was there and wow. knowing that all these like things that I like are in one building at the same time like it was really crazy so um, they had like a vendors area and in this vendors area, I started to see, oh, wow, there's people like that are selling movies and stuff and a lot of stuff I'd never seen before. I wasn't super into anime at the time. There was like maybe one show that I was really into. Never knew about like fan sub tapes or, you know, <laughs> importing and stuff like this. And one of the booths had like TV showing movies and they were showing clips of the Street Fighter movie, and I just like froze. <laughs> wow! <laughs> and, I, and I told my mom, "I'm like, oh, that's a, that's the movie I was telling you about. Like, that's you know this and that, and and you know." And she's like, "Okay." So they bought it for me, and um, oh, dude! Yeah, so it was that like a was tape? like yeah, the first fan sub tape I ever got was uh, Street Fighter Two, the animated wow. movie. How similar yeah, was that fan sub to the sub? title that um they were that good we were watching yeah. this week was it yeah like it was, 
they were good quality subtitles and uh i mean in my mind the video quality was good but it was also funny too because it was like i'm kind of young and my parents are like oh maybe we should screen this for you you know like my mom wasn't super strict but um (laughs) i had this great was this like the uncut yeah oh my gosh yeah so yeah yeah, i had this awkward kind of some moments of the movie where i'm like okay and my mom's like "Mm, i don't know about this but they let me keep the tape and i mean oh that's i just i mean it could be it's unlike the spectrum between like tasteful and whatever the other end is it's yeah almost tasteful it's I can, yeah, yeah, I can get into that a little bit too. So what I would say this kind of falls into is seinen anime. So it's like, I guess it's a very big genre within anime, but it's basically catering to men between 20 and 50. <laughs> so we're like yeah. shown, yeah, well, Pretty I would niche. say you like Dragon Ball is like, yeah, there's like more mature themes and there's, it's kind of like. Any anime you felt like, oh, I don't want my parents to catch me watching back in the day, like Ninja Scroll, like Ninja or, Scroll yeah. or Akira and stuff like this that had like gore or boobs or, you mm. know, like demons, and, yeah. you know, all of that stuff. I'd say that qualifies as seinen and mm. uh, Street Fighter falls right in the middle of that, um, <laughs> even though it's not super gory. Um, I think just kind of the overall tone is kind of a serious tone. And, you know, there's, like, mature-looking characters, and all the dudes are super huge, like Fist of the North Star, kind of, and all yeah. the I mean, ladies look really sexy, and they kind of exploit that a bit. All um, two of them. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, actually, the, like, the depiction of the characters, and even um, the sort of, like, the rhythm and pace of the movie does remind me of something like Ninja Scroll, and mm-hmm. it takes me back to watching that when I was younger, you know, kind of afraid like what was going to come on screen next um, yeah so i don't <laughs> right. know it was, it, yeah it was kind of a not what i would have expected for like an adaptation of this really popular kind of more all ages arcade game or at least that's how it happened in in america um mm-hmm. i mean was do you think the game itself was that seen as more of a mature game in Japan when it came out would you say um mm, i wouldn't say so it was such a huge hit at the time that it just everybody everybody was into Street Fighter. I mean, the the Super Nintendo controller itself has six buttons because Street Fighter Two was coming out on the Super Nintendo. So it's right. like this thing where like yeah, everybody and their mom was playing Street Fighter. And I mean, I experienced that boom when I was a kid in the nineties in the arcades. So in Japan, I could just imagine it being even bigger. So um, yeah, I agree with you. I I kind of like. When I first saw it, I was like, oh, this is so cool. But also it's like, oh, like this is like kind of darker than what I expected. But I also like Street Fighter, like me being a super fan of Street Fighter, I kind of know about the characters and how they interact. So this kind of stuff is stuff that I would see like when you beat the game or when you read about them or, you know, all this stuff. But um, I don't know. I, I, I feel like the tone of the movie fit with what I knew. But yeah, um, totally. Well, and also like. I think the adaptations of either comic books or old television shows or whatever was happening in cinema in the nineties, it definitely was, it was already leaning, leaning quite dark and quite mature. Um, yeah. I mean, look at like the turtles film adaptation yeah. and yeah. stuff. And so, yeah, I could see that totally fitting where it's like, okay, if, if this is going to be an actual film and not like an animated series or something, uh, you'd expect like a little bit more 
um, and honestly, maturity I, or something. Yeah, I feel like maybe it's a little more long lasting because of that. Like if they would have made like I could see look that. at the okay the the American Street Fighter cartoon at, that followed the uh, Jean Claude Van Damme film. Right. The only things you see about that are how stupid and goofy it is, and all the memes <laughs> that come from that, like yes, Bison, yeah, all of this yes. goofy stuff. Look at you! You've ignored your training, and you've turned against all of your friends. And you, you're a loser. So, um. I don't know. I like. Excuse me, Carlos. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, I I feel like I have. I love this movie so much that it's like it's hard for me to pull myself away from it. But at the same time, yeah. I can see what that landscape was like at the time. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's. We can cool. talk a little bit about how it was released after it came out in Japan too, because I grew up with this fan sub tape and I watched mm. it so much. But then. Um, it was domesticated and given a dub and yeah. that's i think you can watch it online somewhere i think amazon has yeah. it and it, and it and used th- to be on netflix right and then it was and it was on off. netflix for a time mm-hmm. and um also if you bought the street fighter anniversary collection on xbox or on ps2 that uh american version of the film is on that so if you have the game you can oh, watch neat. it yeah it's like the the rated cut, like the censored version. Gotcha. And um, that's a weird era of video games, huh? Right. Where there oh, should just be a movie built into your game. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's like, well, we still got three gigs left on this disc. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Throw a movie on there. Huh? And so <laughs> right. was that. That was the dub with Brian Cranston, and that. <laughs> yeah. 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 So oh, okay. Brian Cranston is yeah. Faye Long in the dub, if I remember right. Yep, he's Faye and- Long. That's it. Now I remember who you are. You're the guy who beat Sagat, the Muay Thai champ, a few years ago. I feel better about losing now. But you disappeared. Now don't try to tell me it's a coincidence and there's another Japanese fighter roaming around named Ryu. And I think, as far as I know, I think it was for, like, I don't know, acting, uh, like, labor laws or something that they couldn't be credited. Because I think all the voice actors were credited as different yeah. names. Yeah, they have pseudonyms. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's just nuts thinking that, you know, he was among all of the nobody actors that <laughs> did voices in this. Except for Steve Bloom. He's he's uh, oh. he's pretty prominent. And he does T-Hawk. He's, oh, okay. He's a, you know obviously he's a pretty prominent uh, voice yeah. actor in anime. And um, honestly, but... I, I don't yeah I don't know too much about the American version because I was like oh I got the real version why right. would yeah, I yeah. you know bother with that? But I do know like the details that everybody knows is that they kind of ripped the soundtrack out of it. I was about and... to say the big difference. Honestly, yeah. the big difference isn't the dub because the mm-hmm. dub's a dub, you know, and and the voices. Honestly, the only voice that's really, really bad is Ryu, which is, you know, <laughs> you can you can overlook kind that. of important. He drives the whole movie. Yeah. But yeah, Ryu's voice is so bad in the that's, dub. That's funny. Oh, and that's great. Actually, honestly, one of my favorite dub lines I've ever heard <laughs> is whenever he's talking to Fei Long and and then Fei Long's like, oh, you've never heard of Shadow Law, the you know, evil organization. What's this Shadow Law? You don't know? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. In the dub, do they Can call the organization nope. Shadow Law? I think so. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll scrub through. But... It's it's fine. Um, Yeah, because that's been a thing too. Shadow Law, Shadow Lou. Shadow Lou, um, yeah. But then also, so they replaced the whole 
soundtrack and then they also yes. kind of chopped up the more controversial like scenes of the movie as yes. well yeah right? So there's some scenes of, I mean, not too excessive violence, but there's a couple of shots that were edited down. And um, there's like a infamous like shower scene, like with Chun-Li, like before she fights uh, Vega, the um, dude with the claw. Um, that was a whole thing too with the names. We can get into that during the movie. Yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, the, there were two different versions in America that were released. One that was highly censored and then one that was slightly censored so even still like the the fan sub tape that i had that's like the uncut version that i always knew and even watching like the uncensored version here still was missing some of the stuff that i had oh wow interesting yeah and i also um there's just recently like last year a company called discotech uh, has been doing a lot of i guess you could call it like license rescuing for older anime and um they did a huge like huge amazing job restoring and updating that movie into uh like on a blu-ray so um not only did they do that but they went ahead and like remastered like they took the masters of the dubbed audio they remixed everything and made it like just so you can get like the uncensored version and um, I guess in the UK, there's like an even more like sweary dot dub of the movie. So you ah, can. Interesting. Yeah. With like, like Yorkshire accents or something. No, it's not. It's just the same dubbing <laughs> Dude, I would cast. Watch that but, oh, I would watch yeah. the hell out of that. <laughs> but I guess in, in the UK, there was a, a habit of making the dialogue even more like profane. Like to oh, kind gotcha. of give it this more adult, <laughs> more like kind of, yeah. So you can see that version of the film as well on the discotheque version. And not oh, only cool. did they do that, but they actually got like an audio only version of the Japanese film where it's just the score. And they were able to take the dub and place it with the Japanese score. So you can watch the huh. English version of the oh, film dude, awesome. with Very the cool. Japanese score. And yeah, we haven't talked about that yet, but, um, <laughs> Like you were saying, the um, yeah, the American version, the soundtrack is what makes it so much different because, you know, a dub's a dub. It's, you know, it's just voice acting there. It's just English voice acting instead of Japanese. But the Isn't music, there like corn and Alice in Chains? Yeah, stuff? it's the most 90s, mid 90s yeah. lineup you can imagine. It's got corn, Alice in Chains, KMFDM mm-hmm. and smoking suckers with logic. <laughs> Oh, wow. All oh, right. Man. <laughs> Among others. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's, you know, part of it's kind of amazing in like a time capsule kind of way. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the other just music, just, you know, just incidental music is different too. Yeah, like I think the that music it was in the final fight uh, with uh, Bison is completely different. Mm. And it kind of changes the context of the fight whenever you listen to the american one right so yeah me again listening i mean knowing the original version of the movie Mm -hmm. this was before i was like super into the music that i'm into now but i i mean it is a huge part of the foundation of what i like i guess because (laughs) yeah the japanese um score for the film is taken care of by tetsuya komuro and yuji toriyama who are like two really like um tetsuya komuro was like a really popular musician in the 90s and he was part of a band called tm network and they did a lot of um 
Uh, he did a lot of scores for stuff, but they did a lot of like dance, like pop hits in the 90s. And uh, Yuji Toriyama is like a super well-known jazz fusion guitarist. And um, he's done a couple of uh, things uh, working with Capcom. So there's like two arranged albums that he did, one for Street Fighter 2 and one for uh, Rockman X, Mega Man X. Nice. And um, yeah, even outside of that, like his own, like, uh, his jazz fusion works like really nice and i'm super into it but the other thing is that capcom's own sound team which uh they're called alf lila yeah um they actually the too, right? yeah they actually worked uh and worked together with the musicians for the soundtrack itself so they actually do have a song in the film and um they actually adapted like the song from the uh, final fight of the film and used uh like a cps2 version or cps1 version the soundboard from capcom at the time in the arcades Mm. and they made a version of that for the game so it's like a secret like a easter egg yeah that you can hear in the game so um that that's like super cool that um like the capcom's in-house sound team and these these composers that i i know like at least for the three of us like we're super familiar with a lot of their work and they're some of our heroes right and these people have like had the chance to work with a film on the big screen so that that is so cool i I do have to say like for me the elephant in the room is that all of the legendary yoko shimamura music from the arcade game has has no part to play in the film yeah and it's not i mean that's not very uncommon like for adaptations when it comes Mm. to like they're having there be a continuum from the score in fact it's probably more common for like existing character themes and stuff to be just kind of discarded but mm. it's yeah i don't know um because Before i didn't you, have an existing relationship with the movie it was right it, it was it was a little tough like there is not having well that. yeah so chun li's theme is adapted for the movie for one scene I did and, hear that, yeah. Yeah, I, so I that's that's the only that. thing that exists, and Yuji Toriyama arranged that. So that's kind of cool seeing an arrangement from him of Chun Li's theme, and that's a really classy. It's like a nice slow jam version of her theme. Uh, but yeah, outside of that, yeah, no no Street Fighter music. And which then is, I know like we shouldn't talk about the Jean Claude Van Damme movie, but <laughs> I, know, I think it was is it Graham Ravel? I, I mean, think, did the score there, and yeah, there was no effort once again to. Right. incorporate any of those um <laughs> themes uh yeah it's just something where it's like I, i'm kind of just waiting for some of our, like our favorite game composers like moment in the sun in in the cinemas <laughs> yeah and i kind of worry that whenever we do get that like inevitable zelda or mario movie that like a similar thing will happen and Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like a ter- it's like a terrifying yeah. thought to me, but it's like one of these things where they're like, "Oh, you you just work in video games. That's like your thing, right? Like yeah. this is a movie now. We'll right. take care of." But I, I it is a big boy show now. Yeah, I feel like Mario's so huge that they they would have oh, to they at would least have to oh at yeah. least the Mario like everyone knows the Mario like, theme. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. know. but I but, I share but your it, sentiment. It is- but it I'm is curious cool, what like, they'll do, and yeah. uh, this is completely off topic. I'm curious what no, they'll go do for with it. Uh, Detective Pikachu then, because yeah, that's kind I of, really that's for the first big American production of a of a Japanese game in you a know, while. There's, there's like kind of an unfortunate trend, and I don't want to like lay blame 
at <laughs> any particular composer, but I, I'd it be is Hans extreme... Zimmer's fault. But no, I like. I, Hans I would Zimmer, be extreme. So. <laughs> I would. I would be extremely surprised for any Western composer to to basically look at any existing music in a franchise and incorporate mm-hmm. it, unless it's already a famous fr- film franchise um, that has like you know like a John Williams score or something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, um, yeah, and it's. Yeah, I should pull it up. There's actually there's a really cool interview with Danny Elfman when he, he scored the the Justice League movie, which we don't have to get into that. But uh, <laughs> he went on this really kind of like nice run where he's saying like essentially he saw like no other reason for a composer not to kind of like honor established music other than than ego. I I, I think there's there's <laughs> plenty more that's involved there. But one of the interesting things about about Justice League is he did actually try to incorporate. You know, his his Batman theme and John's yeah. Superman theme and not everyone was, you know, on board with how it all kind of all played out in the end. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it is something I wish you could see more because I don't know, I, I think at least for the three of us, you know, those character themes for these Street Fighter characters, they're just as important as like the look and costume of the character, mm-hmm. the special move set, the, their backstory. Right. So yeah. Anyways, it's it's interesting, um, but I do I do really love the score, especially when it's like yeah, just I guess the sensibility of it. Like towards the end, there's this really cool like Iwi solo that oh thank I was, you was like not yes. expecting. That's and, my favorite track. Yeah, and it yeah, but it all it all really kind of worked. But yeah, no, this was this was a lot of fun. I I somehow feel like I'm incapable of like loving or criticizing the movie it's like weird i'm just like kind of fascinated and just having a lot of fun with it but how, how well, did I'm it glad hit you liked it yeah and now yeah, you, no, it's... you've seen it before matthew right or you'd seen the dub well i yeah i watched the dub but i watched the dub like a month or two ago like not that much oh, okay. longer gotcha. just carlos had mentioned it. i was like i'll try to find this and watch it and then it became an episode but i yeah i wasn't familiar with it at all until uh, a few months ago and gotcha. i yeah i i like it but it is like it's a movie that's kind of hard to imagine watching outside of the context of yeah. i really like street fighter 2 and played it a bunch yeah because there's you know there's like four or five main characters from the games but everyone from the game makes at least an appearance at some point some of which are, you know, just like supporting characters, some of which are literally just, hey, let's cut to this party where they're having a fight. Oh, hey, it's Zangief and Blanca. Yay. <laughs> and then they're gone. Yeah. I feel like it's the very best version of like the movie script you come up with your friends on the playground. Like, <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yes. And so it's, and that, that's one right. of the reasons where I'm like, oh, I wish I would have like, like seen this when I was in middle school or something. Mm-hmm. Um, because I I think it I think it is really successful like from that perspective. Because honestly, it's like when you think of what you have to work with with the game characters, it's like okay, these guys are all fighters and they're scattered <laughs> all across the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a general like there's a sense that it's like okay, these these handful are seen in, at least in the lore of the game are more villains. And of course, you know that like Ryu and Ken have this past and they are trained in the same style and everything. Um, so I think it, that's not an easy, yeah, it's not an easy task, like stitching that together into a narrative that makes sense. And I think for the most part, I, yeah, I really kind of like what they did with the movie. Yeah, it is. It's, it's hard to cram all these characters in and yeah, there's no way to really keep everyone happy. 
when you're dealing yeah, with yeah, I think that's so true. Sixteen characters. When also yeah. what like what uh, what we've been talking about with like the legacy of the release of the movie, where each market kind of wanted to own the film in a different sort of way, or kind yeah. of understood the material differently. Mm. And I think and, it's yeah. I mean, so many people love Street Fighter Two and the games connected to it, but we all probably have our own kind of relationship with it. Yeah, that's really cool too. But when I was doing homework for the episode, I didn't think I would learn anything really much more than I already knew because I knew <laughs> sure. so much. I felt like I knew so much. But um, what I did get a sense of was that each market really wanted this to be a successful um, thing. So like, sure. like what you're saying with the American version and like with all these familiar bands being part of the soundtrack <laughs> and with the Japanese side of it, not only did they get like you know, some of the best musicians in popular culture at the time. But they also, what I read was they consulted with some real fighters to actually realize how the fighting should look on the film. Yeah, I was reading um, a little about that. Yeah, so there's a karate master, and his name is Kazuhoshi Ishii, and he's actually the guy that founded K1. So I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the K1 fighting league, but it's like this, yeah, kind of, basically like uh to me like the origin of mixed martial arts in japan so he's like this i don't know like this grand master uh, of uh, you know the fighting world out of japan and not only did they contact him but they contacted another guy that was a very popular kickboxer uh, um at the time and his name is andy hug so they put in a lot of effort to just help realize like what these characters were like from the game and put them into this movie and actually gisaburu uh sugi the director himself who's like known to be very selective in his work he said that one of the reasons that he chose it was he wanted to bring to life these characters that existed in the game so it's like god that's so cool and i mean it really shows i think the the combat is maybe yeah, it's mm. maybe the most kind of like sensational thing about the movie. At least, mm. yeah, for me and yeah. my, my and first I, watch. And I think that, yeah, the, the camera eye, like in the fights and actually like just the direction, like, yeah, really yeah. rewards the viewer. Like when it comes to like the fighting, like the one-on-one fighting. Or and I think it strikes a nice balance of, <laughs> yeah. you know, a handful of more two-dimensional kind of frames that maybe nod to the arcade game, but it's mm-hmm. not it's not obsessed with trying to kind of like video game eyes. Yes. Yeah. I think, yeah, yeah, I think it was, it was great. And it does look like there must've been some kind of rotoscoping reference, something um, Mm. in, in the fight. So I don't know whether uh, Ishii and Andy Hook were like actually choreographing sequences and taping them or something like that. But so I'm I'm glad that you mentioned that because Actually, and this is, again, to promote this discotheque release, because, like, mm-hmm. if you're interested in this movie and you don't have that, you need to buy it. Because there's an extra feature in there that the artists actually used, like, reference, like what you're saying. They were discussing the fighting with uh, the martial artists, and they actually did some drawings in reference, like, oh, how would this end up looking? So they actually took those frames of drawings and made the basically, like, GIFs of anime, like, their sketches like so there's three there's one of Ryu one of Ken and one of Guile and um those aren't uh scenes from the film those are just drawings that the the studio did and it's them like kind of doing martial arts moves and that's really cool oh, to see and cool. that's yeah that's something I've I've never seen until that release oh nice yeah 
man. Man, so yeah, I guess <laughs> a lot to a lot to unpack. Yeah. Luckily, the plot of the movie is pretty straightforward, so yeah, it's not gonna. And, yeah, I totally. And, and, and I think, like the characters themselves, we should totally hop around mm-hmm. um, yeah. the, the <laughs> yeah. planet of this of the movie. <laughs> this movie, yeah, for sure. So, I think we should look at it. But first, let's take a look at the back of the VHS. The world warrior named Ryu searches the land, finding new strength in himself, meeting many martial artists, friends, and foes. During a fateful encounter with the Muay Thai champ Sagat, he catches the eye of the terrorist dictator M. Bison, who is looking to create an army of super soldiers capable of throwing the world into chaos. In America, Ryu's longtime friend and rival, Ken Masters, lives the life of a lover and a fighter. But his history with Ryu haunts him. Many new challengers have dared to attack him, but he's crushed them all. Meanwhile, a united effort led by Air Force Major Guile and Interpol agent Chun-Li makes moves to stop M. Bison's evil organization, Shadow Lou. Will M. Bison succeed in his psychotic goals of world domination? Will Guile and Chun-Li get their revenge? Will Ryu find out what lies beyond his fist? Based on the smash hit arcade game, witness all your favorite fighters as you've never seen them before in Street Fighter 2, the animated film. So the entire plot of the movie is basically M. Bison wants to take over the world, I guess. And so, oh, so we're using we're using our the English names. We'll stick to the English names because yeah. that, that's. Uh, that is a confusing thing in the Japanese. Now, Carlos, of I know you've you've explained this uh, better than than yeah. anyone before. Could you, <laughs> oh, give a little backstory on, and maybe like a a little like quick handy um, conversion guide for uh, th- <laughs> the three characters who go by yeah. different names. Yeah. So um, there are three characters, basically three out of the four main villains uh, from the game, the bosses that you would encounter. The names are M. Bison, Vega, Balrog, and Sagat. Sagat is the Muay Thai kickboxer. And Bison in America is the main boss of the game who looks like kind of he's got this red hat and he looks very menacing. Raul um, Julia. For you, the day Bison graced your village was the most important day of your life. But for me, it was Tuesday. Raul Julia, yeah. yes. Just picture Raul <laughs> Julia. Yep. <laughs> Vega in America is the Spanish fighter with the mask and the claws, like Wolverine style claw. And um, Balrog in America is the boxer. So what's going on is in Japan, the boxer's name is M. Bison. So it's a play on Mike Bison, Mike Tyson, right? Yeah. So not very subtle, just like a lot of the stereotype characters in this game. Yeah, subtlety <laughs> isn't Street Fighter's best uh, feature. Though so. honestly, right. I've got to say, compared to some of the depictions in this movie, I, I think I think the game seems extremely racially subtle. <laughs> we can get into some of that. Well, well yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll get sure. So in Japan, Balrog is the fighter with the claws from Spain, and mm. the final boss, his name is Vega. So what they did when they localized that in America, they're like, oh, well, we're going to get in trouble if we have the boxer named Mike Bison. Yeah. So basically, they just played musical chairs with their names. Yeah. So in America, like I said, uh, M. Bison is the boss, Vega is the claw guy, and the boxer is... Uh, is Balrog. It's Balrog. So um, when it comes to people playing the games that are really into it in tournament play, basically they have nicknames. So... 
Dictator, Claw, and Boxer. Those are three mm-hmm. names that are just basic names that they can just say, oh, yep, this is who they are. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you, there's saves you on some confusion. Even that explanation was pretty confusing. But <laughs> no, I think, no, I think I think yeah. that was that was great. And the yeah. the subtitles that we were watching were basically they're trying to translate the Japanese language as accurately as possible. So they are right. using the Japanese region names. I think you, mm-hmm. you could make a case for converting those characters in in the subtitle too. But yeah, there's not. I don't think there's necessarily a a great solution. Um, and <laughs> I so, would, yeah, we'll probably be flipping back and forth yeah I, yeah about these we guys. can do whatever we need to but again in that discotheque release you can watch they have subtitles oh set gosh, up really both wow. versions of their names oh yeah, that's, wow that's I so intricate <laughs> I, I think applause break that's yes. that's amazing i've never heard of anything seriously like it's, that on a release it's insane wow. the amount of love they put into that blu-ray release it's it's so good. Wow. Can you change it so that the shoulder buttons are maximum pun? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's basically what they did. It's like, how how far can we customize this for the fan? It's yeah. it's so good. Dude, that's All really right. cool. Finally, let's so Anyway, it's the movie. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so we M. got those. Bison, bill- well, those yeah. yeah. He's basically the leader of Shadowloo, which is this terrorist organization. Or sometimes Shadow Law. It is, yeah. it is Shadow Law in the dub. Yeah, that's weird. That's Which a big sounds, long thing. I don't know. I think that sounds a little more natural. Uh, like Shadow Lou, yeah. yeah. Ending with Woo, no. it's just so light and easy yeah. going. I don't know. Shadow Lou is if you're in the UK and have to go to the bathroom at night, you use the Shadow Lou. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. In in Japan it's referred to as Shadow Lou. And actually in the Jean Claude Van Damme film, the base, like the country that M. Bison operates out of, is named Shadow Lou. So the, it's this weird Whatever. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's stupid. It's this is a game where people just punch each other. Yeah, yeah. It's I, a game where people and, shoot fireballs and punch each other. Yeah, yeah. And I love it, but I also can say how dumb it is. So right? yeah, basically the premise of the movie is that it's uh Shadow Lou is trying to recruit the best uh street yeah. fighters from around the world mm-hmm. uh, to join their terrorist organization and mm-hmm. they're aided by these incredible cyborgs. Yeah, and that's a new thing that they created yeah. for this film. They're basically mo- they call them monitor cyborgs, and they're just like, these created Terminator... created and then drop about forty minutes in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And they it's have just... that like you sort of see, it's like uh, it's a ter- Terminator it, kind. Yeah, of thing. it's very Terminator where it's like scanning and it's like oh muscle mass and like yeah. Um, mm-hmm. you know, sure you can potential and stuff like that. I don't think it's mm. as sad, but um, <laughs> yeah, actually the, the, the opening, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if the, the opening fight, I, I could also see that just being like a demo reel to like pitch to get the funding for yeah. the, the yeah. full thing. It's, it's, yeah, it, it's really a, really a powerful scene. And I think it, it does a great job of balancing maybe more realistic martial arts combat uh, with some of the special powers that you know from the game, you know, if if you're just throwing Hadoukens left and right, it's going to lose impact. And yeah, the end of that fight with um, Ryu like summoning that Hadouken, and it looks a lot like the intro to Super Street Fighter. Yeah, um, yeah, for and, sure. Uh, anyways, it's uh, yeah, I thought that was that was great, and it's all happening at 
at night. And it, uh, they do this very cinematic thing where they're jumping in between like the opening titles and yeah. it's flashing to this kind of build up of this encounter between. And you're also what, seeing that cyborg like Terminator eye uh, yeah. perspective and stuff. And this is basically representing the fateful encounter at the end of the first Street Fighter game. Sagat was the final boss. And right. in Street Fighter 2, Sagat is no longer the final boss. He's the boss you fight before M. Bison, the final boss of the game. But he's got this huge scar on his chest. And what you're seeing in this scene is when Ryu actually performs this, like, you know, Shoryuken, this fatal blow to Sagat. That at the time he was like the Muay Thai champion of the world. And this is like Ryu, like the, the wandering warrior that yeah. Ryu represents, um, you know, taking down the world champion. Yeah, I thought that was so cool. There are a couple moments in the movie where you get to see um, kind of like the origin of a specific character trait, like with Vega or sorry, the claws. I know I miss Vega. You you get to see like how his face gets scarred. Um, I yeah, you see how some nice touches. How Ryu gets his red bandana thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I think some really neat touches. Also, I think the opening fight is a, a great encapsulation of the tone of the whole movie in a lot of ways, and the uh, sort of aesthetic approach. Yeah, for the most part, like. It starts and it seems like, oh, these characters are pretty on model from what I know from the games and like the cabinet art and everything. But very quickly, it's we see that it's like, oh, but they have, you know, four times as much like muscle mass and pretty much mm -hmm. every. And I think that's in keeping with that like subgenre of anime like you were yeah, talking about, Carlos. It. That's yeah, it's it's like geared towards. I don't know, like CD dudes or whatever. Yeah. Where it's like, well, that's the um, thing. I think it's supposed. It's one of those officially it's geared towards guys in their 20s and 30s but it's really aimed towards people like middle high school guys yeah but it's right. like you, you can't officially be aiming it towards them because there's lots of violence and boobs and stuff but that's actually who you're aiming for there's a lot of yeah, other totally. stuff like that too so yeah so like the dudes are all you know super like beef cakey and like <laughs> giant and then uh the ladies I think in this movie it's less about like maybe how they're drawn and just like how how often there are these like risque <laughs> kind of like in like invasive camera angles the camera and stuff yeah um so yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll the character that. designs in this film are done by Shuko Murase who I think most people what maybe they don't know his name but everybody's seen Gundam Wing that likes anime I feel and he did yeah. all the character designs for Gundam Wing and um that's oh, the awesome. next yeah so this is 94 and Gundam Wing came out in 95 so um he did that and then he would actually work with Capcom again to do the there was a Dark Stalkers uh Vampire Hunter which is like Street Fighter but monsters and uh yeah. he did the character designs for uh like a four episode OVA series and I really like that too. And actually oh, cool. um Koatani, the uh guy that did the music for Shadow of the Colossus and uh he did the mu music for some Gamera films and actually I think some of the Godzilla movies in the 90s too. Oh, I could be sure. wrong about that. But um well yeah, that's why he, that's why he was chosen for uh Shadow of the Colossus yeah, cuz he did right. stuff with giant monsters in it. 
Yeah, uh, so he worked on that Vampire Hunter OVA. But yeah, cool. so we get this kind of really cool dark scene establishing like Ryu as our hero and, uh, you know, showing you the origin of, for the fans of the series, the origin of Sagat's scar, his iconic scar on his chest. Mm-hmm. When and it's then also, it jumps... You could, you could argue it's like a reinterpretation of the end of street fighter one yeah mm-hmm. yeah i i totally agree it's cool it's just really cool to see that so the other thing i could say about that really quick is that um a lot of the elements from this movie capcom would then take as inspiration and use it in their games and in street fighter alpha 2 there's actually a stage that you can play it's a secret stage that you can only pick a certain way and it's this uh environment this grassy uh stormy setting oh that's so cool yeah, it's like one of my favorite stages in that game. And um it's like uh according to the game, like it's a secret boss fight with Ryu against Sagat. I've got a yeah. weird question for you guys. Uh <laughs> do you think if the movie had been made just slightly earlier and uh was an adaptation of the original Street Fighter 2 and not Super, would you I I know like that'd be blasphemy for Carlos cuz we'd have no fate long, but like <laughs> I don't know. Part of me wonders. Yeah. Part of me wonders if it would maybe be a little more of like a focused. Affair I see. Or I see what you're saying because then because that's a lot of the a lot of the criticisms I've, I have the movie is that there's a lot of scenes that are cool but they're just kind of thrown in there because it's like oh we have these sixteen I guess seventeen if you count Akuma these sixteen characters that we gotta fit in somewhere mm. and, and most of the super characters don't have. A very large role to play um yeah they're mostly kind of like one and done kind of thing so yeah i don't I, i'm just yeah it's just kind of curious what mm-hmm. what you guys i feel think. you yeah i i agree i think any it's like i said before anytime you have a big cast of characters even if it wasn't super street fighter which really only added four more characters and then right. like akuma who was the secret boss of super turbo you'd still have to juggle 12 characters and make them interesting so i feel like they kind of pulled all the most interesting parts from what people know of the street fighter story like ryu and ken's rivalry and their like bromance and guile's um like looking for revenge and chun li's looking for her own revenge and they're kind of on you know different sides of the same coin and i don't know like most street fighter characters are like oh, this guy is uh, the pretty assassin. And, you know, this yeah. guy is the, yeah. the monster, you know. Dalsim is like whatever Dalsim is, <laughs> you know. Like, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so I, I do agree with you, but I don't know. I feel like it would but no, be it, it kind is of cool, the same And it's result. also like a great, like, uh, I don't know. It's like preserving this moment in time. It, it just reminds you of like how, how much enthusiasm there was for this game. Yeah. Like a, like mm-hmm. you know in the mid 90s um and i think the movie overall does a really good job of like portraying the geography pretty mm-hmm. clearly um cuz you know it is difficult kind of moving everyone around and they've mostly kind of retained the uh you know countries of origin of all these characters and they find uh they find you know kind of natural ways to combine characters that are you know from the same country or similar countries or whatever um you know so we have this great kind of like uh buddy thing with like e-honda and ryu um mm-hmm. that was <laughs> yeah e-honda's kind of played for laughs which i i don't <laughs> totally mind um yeah yeah because what okay but... e-honda is a sumo that's that's yeah, it that's, that's all we really know right, about yeah it, right you know and it's, it's fine sumo. Whatever. You can slap really fast 
<laughs> that's it yeah so we do get to see cammy in a little scene after this intro and um cammy there's this weird thing with fighting games too where it seems like there's these kind of trends in their new characters so i would say cammy's like okay the brainwashed blonde haired westerner right? right so she's like this assassin but she like can't remember her past or whatever so in tekken you've got nina williams who's kind of this blonde assassin <laughs> she doesn't have this memory loss but sarah bryant in virtual fighter the again blonde haired assassin i don't mm-hmm. i don't understand maybe they have these kind of fighting game developer retreats where they all get together <laughs> and or talk just hey. like a mistrust of blonde hair or something <laughs> yeah that's true. right but but it's it's a trend because like later on in fighting games you'll see oh these all these games added new characters and they all kind of seem similar like <laughs> like Bob in Tekken and Rufus in Street Fighter 4 like this fat kind of goofy guy or like honestly and this is bad to say but we're adding a black character to yeah. our games <laughs> like yeah, Raven totally. and like Zasalamel and Tekken and Soul Calibur but I don't know it's just weird but yeah Cammy fills that role in this film and that's like she gets a really well animated sequence but that's really all you yeah. see of her Yeah you see her for like five seconds but it's a really cool five seconds because she has that awesome coat that she like throws off and yeah like she doesn't kill the guy by like you know something boring like shooting him or whatever <laughs> she like does a handstand on his neck and breaks his neck yeah. it's yeah. it's weird it's, it's cool. a really like yeah really well staged sequence um mm-hmm. i mean there are kind of those like like pervy cameras and stuff yeah. like we're yeah. talking about but it's, it's kind of yeah, hard really to shoot cammy in a non-pervy way though with yeah that's a, i mean and i never understood that with the character it's sort of like if you're fighting it's like the more clothes is always going to be better i mean <laughs> you know you don't want like a parka or whatever but hey it would be padding um yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but I, don't know. I mean, here we are again in this kind of scene in, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, space of, of anime. So it's going to happen. Yeah. 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 yeah Following totally. that, we we get to see Chun-Li for the first time and, mm-hmm. and her uh, motivation to team up with Guile because they need to team up and take down uh, Shadowloo. And Guile kind of has this, uh, you know, I'm the tough American guy. Yeah. I'm yeah, going to take totally. care of it myself. But um, there one is of the kind things- of a funny juxtaposition. Like... I get that uh, when you meet Chun Li, I, I suppose you want to see her in her costume, but it's a little. I was weird, thinking that right? too. It's kind of weird seeing yeah. her in that she's outfit. Like, it's kind of like the opening of Police Story or whatever. Right. Where you're kind of like yeah. briefing the cops, but then it's like, well, why do you have this? Yeah, traditional- imagine. If, yeah, if if yeah. in Police Story they had like a traditional Chinese outfit on, <laughs> or Jackie, every- we've seen we've seen Jackie. That's true. Jackie has been dressed as Chun Li. That's true. Oh man, um, yeah. But it's right. seeing that in a room full it's, of oh, dudes okay. just wearing like normal suits, yeah. it's definitely like, uh, okay, sure. Hey, sure. And there's some fun logic too, where it's like, you know, she gets to go to this Air Force base, and it's like, oh yeah, we want to recruit you, and it's like, wait, who's in charge of what? Like, how do how do things work? Um, yeah. But it's it's neat, and Giles, yeah, Giles, interesting in this movie. Um, he's never not scowling, and it's like, <laughs> I get it, like that's how he looks. Uh, when you're fighting and on like the character select screen and stuff, but yeah, he's a, uh, and he's I, a I big guess, old grump, I guess man. Van Damme played him <laughs> in a similar way. So yeah, he's always mad or wanting revenge or whatever. Yeah. Like, but the one thing I do really like about the character designs in this film is you know they had to kind of live within this space, these iconic designs. So like, I feel like it was a lose lose. So 
if you no, change Chunli and yeah. she's wearing something else, you're like, wait, what? Why? You know, she looks right. weird. That's not the Chunli I know. But I also there's this little makeup touch that she has these like real little red winglets by her eyes. Yeah. And it's such a little subtle touch, but I I think it's really cool. Like to go with her blue and yellow outfit and like I'm like, wow, it's just like this tiny little design choice, but I really like it. Yeah, no, I think it's nice. And, and you're right, it's um this is a project where the writer's hands are yeah, really quite tied. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, overall I think the story is kind of an exciting way of, you know, bringing these characters together. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think we've said it, but it's, there are sort of, I guess you could say there may be like a few protagonists that kind of drive the story, but it is, it's mostly Ryu's movie, which makes sense. It's, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Uh, I think it was pretty clear, like those of us playing the game when it first came out, it's sort of like the Japanese developers views of the rest of the world. It's like, okay, we know Americans are going to be playing this game. So there will be a a couple of good American heroes. Um, Mm -hmm. But really it's about Ryu. He's like, he's the hero. He's like the Luke Skywalker of this thing. Um, Mm -hmm. When I was a kid. I think that's, that's how you want it really. Yeah. I always played as Ryu when I was a kid. And I think it's just like kind of the, default choice yeah, yeah before i was like trying to really figure out who i liked and how i wanted to play the game but i i mean i don't i love ryu and i love how he's characterized in the film i think they really get it right and um yeah totally he's really like um he's really a like contemplative guy and mm-hmm. there's this device throughout the movie where he and uh ken like flashback to their training it almost kind of like uh, in kill bill part two um <laughs> yeah when she's remembering like training with Paimei and stuff. Um, yeah. And we, yeah, let's, yeah, let's just very, move up to that. Yeah. It's because, a very Kung Fu movie thing there. Yeah, yeah. It's awesome. We, we have a short scene of M. Bison coming back to his home base and he's getting briefed. And then he finds out about this character Ryu and there's like this monitor cyborg sends them information. It's like, he's got this crazy power level in yeah. like, okay, whatever. So he's like, I got to find this guy. But uh, yeah, then we cut to Ryu and Ryu's like off in a mountain somewhere, just being very quiet training to himself. But yeah, it cuts to this flashback of him and Ken fighting each other while they're younger and they're, um, they never show their master. Um, but, and I always kind of like that. I don't know if you guys ever remember back in the day in EGM magazine, which is a video game magazine, there was this legendary oh, April Fool's yeah, joke. Oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, Shen and it was Long, like, right? yes, Shen Long. So, um, the origin of that is that there was a Ryu's win quote <laughs> was, you must defeat Shen Long to stand a chance. Yeah. So that actually was a translation error. And it was originally just supposed to mean, you must de- defeat my Shoryuken to stand a chance. Mm-hmm. But oh, um, wow. that mistranslation kind of led to all these rumors like, oh, who is this guy? What That must <laughs> be his master. And um, the EGM ran this fake screenshot mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, you got to do this and that. And it was a, a hoax, but yeah. it was a legendary thing. But um, in this film, I guess well, it's kind of Well, my, my uncle the... works at Nintendo and he's yeah. like, he unlocks <laughs> <laughs> that's right he saw him and yeah oh man that's like the hoverboard hoax. Yep. Yeah. it wasn't until like yeah it was like that and then all these mortal Kombat secrets like how do you unlock this character or you can do this you can I mean, whatever mm-hmm. but that's all fun stuff but actually they kind of 
they don't show him in the film, but they address their master. Mm-hmm. And um, his name is Goken. But actually, in, if you look at some of the data when those cyborgs are talking about the characters, it actually says mm-hmm. Gotetsu. So in the Street Fighter story, Gotetsu is actually Goken's master. But whatever. It's just whatever. like a weird little uh, thing. Okay. Yeah. It's okay. And Goken, their master, wouldn't actually show up until Street Fighter Four. He was like a character they added to that game, which is cool. Oh, nice. But, you know, um, there, there's a scene when they're sparring in the woods, and I love uh, you it. Hear, you hear the master, and then it cuts to this like crow. And for a second, I thought, like, <laughs> "Wait, is there this talking crow?" That's <laughs> it's like, wait, the, didn't this you is play? Yeah, yeah. Have, haven't you played Street Fighter Two? Don't you know about the crow character? <laughs> it's the crow characters. <laughs> um, yeah, but I really like them showing them as kids uh training yeah, against each other and actually that was another thing that they used as imp- inspiration for the games because when you see ken in street fighter alpha he's got that longer hair and he's got the red tied off band that he uh will eventually pass on to ryu that you'll see later on in the film so yeah. that's that's really cool then yeah, after the that animators um, do great work with Ken's hair like, throughout mm-hmm. the oh, movie. It's, yeah, yeah it's super good really the other thing i really like about the fighting is you can tell that they're animating outside of the frame. So yeah, um, yeah. it gives you a really good sense of movement without showing you everything, which actually is contrary to, I think, what we like about Hong Kong cinema, <laughs> where it's <laughs> right, like right. these wide shots of them showing you everything. But I think in your mind's eye, seeing these drawings and seeing them animated so well and seeing that where it's like, we're showing you not everything, but you get it. It's well. It's really funny. Like effective. sometimes you have to kind of work in like the contrary direction. Like when you change mm-hmm. mediums, like like say in like music production, if you're recording like a performance with real musicians, you generally want everyone playing as together in terms of like timing and rhythm as possible. But when you're making music with fake computer people and sounds, you'll usually try to it like go the opposite direction and make things like not as exact in time. Cause then it feels more human. And yeah. reminds me of this where it's sort of like, it's approaching the same kind of thing. It actually does feel like a Hong Kong movie, even though it's the cameras in tighter. Um, but yeah, there's something about it that feels more real, and it feels like there's actually like um, a camera operator yeah. there yeah. with these guys. And a lot right. of things it, that work in I animation don't work in real life, and vice versa. Right. That's kind of the issue with a lot of the uh, oh, crap. Gun seventies did heavy metal in the Lord of the Rings movies. Bakshi, Bakshi, yeah. That's yeah, the issue with yeah. a lot of the Bakshi movies is that since it's mostly rotoscoped, it's like this look. I mean, it's animated well, but it like it's shot like a movie and like a, a live action movie and that just doesn't really work with animation like animation right. is a different medium yeah, n- nobody really wins yeah it's like not getting the, a things don't have the, the same strengths. weight as they do if you animate mm-hmm. them properly yeah yeah totally. okay so yeah then after that we get a little introduction of ken and uh him in the uh united states he's driving a really nice porsche and um, <laughs> oh dude we, we've got to say the the cars are like a star the, of yeah of the movie. they are like, they they're basically modeled like exactly. Um, yeah, you see the Porsche, and Kyle like has Ford this really Mustang. nice, nice Mustang. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. And I would say just like and uh, and Bison, the villain, his his ship. Oh yeah, it's that, called the Vitol. 
Yeah, that's really cool. And they would actually end up using that in the Street Fighter Alpha games. You'll see it in the background or in characters' endings. Um, Yeah, so, yeah, those all look really cool. And, uh, yeah, Ken meets up with his girlfriend, Eliza, who, if you ever beat Street Fighter 2, that's Ken's ending is them getting married. So you're like, oh, that's Eliza. Actually, uh, Street Fighter trivia. um, (laughs) Did you guys know that Guile's wife is Eliza's sister? (laughs) <laughs> oh dude so no. so guile and this guile sure. and ken are peach, some like yeah. peach daisy kind yeah of stuff. they're they're brother-in-law <laughs> that's whatever hey that's street hey stuff. sure that's, <laughs> that's most of this that's most of this movies hey sure yeah yep <laughs> um then we get to see a scene uh it's kind of a cool scene actually a very hero yeah. scene where we have a, a hong kong yeah, movie totally. set and uh, the director is looking for his star yeah. and his star ran that off was super and... that was super cool um yeah and yeah of course if, like if you don't know um fei long is who carlos always plays as um like in super he's... turbo fei long is yeah. my main yeah mm-hmm. i will so never it's like yeah i'm definitely thinking of yeah, thinking of you watching this scene. Oh, that's and yeah, great. It was, it was, yeah, it's like a really cool nod to what, to, yeah, to Hong Kong movies and everything. Um, mm-hmm. And he's, yeah, he's making kind of like in the game, he's making these like Bruce Lee like yelps mm-hmm. and whoops and everything. Um, mm-hmm. But once again, he's like super muscly and mm-hmm. like maybe like a little too giant for Fei Long. But, <laughs> he's um, big. Yeah, he's big. It's a really, it's a really cool fight, and like Ryu gets to kind of come on top and show that he's you know really powerful but of course he's he's not killing fei long and they have kind of a cool relationship yeah uh, following that fight so yeah we've got like a it looks like a underground fight club mm. and uh fei long's left his uh movie set and he's kind of sneaking around trying to check out the fights and ryu looks like he's getting ringed into a fight he doesn't seem like he wants to fight but he takes out his opponent really quickly with a headbutt and um and he has the, the guy that gets in. hit in the head, his pose when he's on the ground and like twitching, that <laughs> yeah. looks crazy uh Fist of the North Star. Yeah. Like I feel like sure. I've seen that exact same pose in Fist of the North Star <laughs> stuff. And, yeah, I, I totally see that. And Bruce um, also also inspired by Bruce Lee with uh Yeah. Ken. Right. That's definitely yep. So uh, all the crowd's getting really hype because Fei Long, you know, the 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 movie stars kind of uh, fight against this wandering warrior, and they exchange some words. But Fei Long wants to prove himself, and uh, yeah, the interactions here it's more of like what I was saying, where the camera's a little tighter than you would think it would be. So your brain is kind of putting together what the fight actually looks like. But I also say what what's really nice is the cuts between different camera shots are really smartly done. So, like, yeah. when you see, like, a spin kick, it'll cut from, like, Fei Long to, like, Ryu defending, and it works super well. Like, only, like, yeah, this Gisaburo Sugi, the director, like, you can tell that he's got, like, these decades of directing uh, animation because, like, yeah, totally. there's just so much uh, economy behind um, the frames that are being shown. Really what I really good. love about his approach to the movie is like there are these tempo changes, like whether we're fighting or not. And it's like within the combat sequences, the editing's a little faster and it's and you're cutting between these like really dramatic camera angles. But a lot of the movie really takes its time and has more of this kind of like elderly pace, which I, yeah, I was really into. But um Me too. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah I, so, I, I, I could also see like that maybe leading to some of the trimming in in the American market or mm, 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was actually a lot of cuts between versions that were just kind of these slower paced shots were cut down for time. So I think um, just like Ryu walking or, you know, stuff like that. I think in this scene, I think that headbutt gets edited a little bit because uh, I think one of the dude's teeth fly out or something. (laughs) (laughs) So there's a there's a cut of that. And there's actually, like I said, that discotheque has a whole feature on the different versions of the films and what was cut and what they found in doing putting together that Blu-ray. Okay, so yeah, Ryu reuse the champion again. Fei Long mm. is kind of uh, outmatched, and even though he's kind of uh, injured, he's like, I'm going to show you my special attack. Which, me as a Street Fighter player, I'm like, dude, don't tell him what you're going to do. <laughs> and, and don't just do a move out of nowhere. Like, you're going to get punished, and that's what happens. <laughs> he does his flame kick, and uh, Ryu gets hit, but he recovers in time, and he does his hurricane kick, which is kind of... And interesting, there's no way to really show that hurricane kick without it looking absurd. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. You know, it's a guy spinning with his leg in midair. But I really like how they, he really yeah, does like, like you're this. you're kind of in closer. It's yeah, and he does this roundhouse before he jumps into the air. And every hit sounds like you hear the smacks of that kick. And uh, Fei Long, yeah, he gets knocked out. So it's kind of cool afterwards they're walking. And this is where Ryu finds about out about uh, Shadaloo as a terrorist organization. And yeah. he's like, yeah, they're looking out for fighters. And Ryu's like, all right. And then he just like Is that the away. moment from the dub then, Matthew? Yes, that's where he's like, you've nope. never heard of Shadaloo? <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. I also love the bandages on Fei Long in that scene. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he looks really cool. And this is one of these like really kind of soft... Uh, Yuji Toriyama like musical moments in the movie that I kind of as a kid I didn't think I would like that stuff but it's like really nice mm-hmm. like really well done yeah. You know? yeah the next scene we see Ken getting in a fight with T-Hawk who like you're saying not the most sensitive portrayal of a uh, Native American <laughs> but so just what are you trying to prove here Chief Running Mouth you are known as a skilled fighter and have won many titles in your time I seek glory and honor by defeating a warrior such as yourself. Ah! But he does his, you know, he, he does look very true to the what's in the game. Oh, he looks yeah. awesome. He's huge. Yeah, he's massive, which is really cool. And like whenever he punches and misses, there's like a dent in the wall mm-hmm. where he punches. It's, it's, it's a lot of cool stuff. And, and it's, I love it's how... all at night. And so, yeah, anyways, there's like really cool lighting. That's yeah. Kind of this whole scene. This dark palette for the animation mm-hmm. looks really nice. But I love how chiseled like these bigger guys like uh, look like, like T-Hawk and Guile even. Actually, I think Guile's face kind of reminds me of Dolph Lundgren at some point. Oh, yeah. 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 I can see that. Yeah. And um, M. Bison. All these dudes have really huge jaws and really like lots of wrinkles. It just looks really good. Yeah. So you kind of get this small encounter between the two, and then Ken. And Ken's wearing like a weird like shorts and socks. <laughs> yeah. Com- yeah. Yeah. He. I, I like that Ken gets to wear <laughs> normal like, people clothes, but Ken. none of the other yeah. characters do. All the other right. characters have to wear their in-game outfits, but Ken gets yeah. to wear different stuff. There's a cool yeah. moment though, like he could finish T Hawk, and he's like about to like charge his Hadouken, and he he doesn't, and it yeah, it's a really cool character moment and it's actually it's an interesting thing too because that's the same kind of sequence of events from the opening of the film where ryu fights sagat so you kind of almost wonder if maybe as students they were trained like these are our lethal 
like techniques like only use these in these kind yeah. of dangerous situations and yeah, so totally. like ken follows up a shoryuken with a hadouken which actually if you're playing street fighter that's a smart idea because you've got your opponent knocked down and you want to control that space so you want to throw a fireball i'm sorry this is like funny <laughs> stuff can <laughs> but you put actually, in the, like, the music from the psa's like the more you know yeah <laughs> it, it's a kind yeah, of a smart idea like when you're dealing with just controlling space in a fighting game but you also kind of get ken's side of this whole bromance between ryu and ken and that's like a big theme of the film so like ken's got this it's like they have this unfinished rivalry they know like they grew up together and ryu doesn't really have that kind of aggressive rivalry but ken does and he's like oh ryu like where are you like they know they eventually will have to fight each other. Yeah, totally. There's a cool transition uh, between this scene and the next where uh, Ken's driving off in his Porsche and then we transition to a different car that's driving uh, somewhere in India. Mm-hmm. And um, I really love this yeah, scene. Yeah, I I, I really, yeah. I Anyway, <laughs> I, I like what happens in India and I also like was uncomfortable with kind of how things look and yeah. are depicted there too. But it's... It's yeah, it's it's cool. That's <laughs> true. Mm-hmm. And there is straight up Gandhi at one point, which is kind of weird. Yeah, <laughs> sort of like 1990s Gandhi, you know. Um, yeah, I guess there's just this thing where it, it does. I mean, all of us are familiar with um, how Indian you know, people actually ja- look. <laughs> well, it's like how Japanese characters in anime tend to be depicted like a little bit fairer skinned than, yeah. than reality and. And I and I get that, and that's, uh, you know, that's the tradition or whatever. But it is weird when you go to India, and it's like all the characters depicted here are depicted like so darkly, and mm-hmm. almost kind of, it's almost like they're trying to make them scary. I, I don't yeah. know. I'm I'm probably reading too much into it. Because um, <laughs> Ryu does have like a cool character moment here. He bumps into this like maybe this beggar girl who spills her milk, and he gives her. Um, these are some money, money to stuff um get some more yeah I, I like a lot about this it was just something about some of the depictions like, yeah uh yeah kind of surprising but mm-hmm. it's totally fair i mean and especially because yeah, you know they're... india is you know a modern country that has like real cities and stuff that this looks <laughs> like you know yeah mm, totally kind of... it kind but of very, I will, yeah I will you say get this like very the... poverty yeah, like yeah like yeah, yeah it's totally. kind of, Some of those rundown stereotypes you do get a but little dif- street fighter easter egg in this scene so um there's yeah, a, yeah a shot of akuma who is like the secret final boss of super street fighter 2 turbo and this is not much longer um you know street fighter this movie came out in 94 i think towards in august or something like that and uh, super turbo which is his debut uh, showed up in around February, I believe. I might get these dates wrong, mm-hmm. but oh, wow. they're they're really close. So yeah. it was kind of cool to see oh, that that's a, too. Yeah, yeah, and that's like a fitting Easter egg. I mm-hmm. I will say the uh, I really like the depiction of Dalzim. Um, yes. Yeah. And this, so this yeah, next we fights. have this kind of like a street fight, and it, it, yeah, it's, this is really cool. It's Dalzim and E Honda. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love and the, whenever there's the shot that's from the side, so it kind of just looks like how yeah. the game looks. And yeah, it's great. It, that's such <laughs> a cool. And I feel like I've seen other movies that are adapted from video games that'll do stuff like that, where you're like, okay, come on. But <laughs> but I feel like this one does, since it just does it for this one scene, and it you know it it, it fits. 
if it's the circumstances. Yeah. And they really have fun with Dalsum's uh, abilities because yeah. if you're familiar with the game, he can stretch his limbs out and he can teleport and stuff like that. So you get to see a lot of that. And he also does this thing where he's able to like freeze E-Honda in his tracks. Yeah, um, which and- is something that is only in this film they never actually done anything with that in the games but it's cool to see Mm. yeah and maybe my favorite moment in the movie um so there's a cyborg that's watching this fight and then rio rio is also in the background watching it and dalzim is about to finish ihanda and like we said he has him like immobilized but he can sense the power of a great fighter behind him anyways it's this really cool uh moment i thought um yeah it's awesome then he's ready to basically forfeit the fight to e honda mm-hmm. who's and yeah e honda's all about that that money he's gonna get. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then some terrorists show up and just destroy this one guy who like yeah. he gets and it's like this white guy that i don't even not 100 percent why he's there to begin with but he just well gets, uh, he's he's kind of guileish but yeah and yeah, he's originally he with them so he's they sent him to assassinate the the Gandhi right, character. Right, right, right. Like prime minister. And then he gets shot on the way back to the car. Mm-hmm. And they're like, this guy's done. So the Shadaloo agents just shoot him up. And yeah, he's like shot from both sides. very trouble. violent, yeah. like a lot of blood yep. shooting at him. And he also, he bumped into that beggar girl mm-hmm. on his way to dying, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, but the girl uh, made it, so, so yeah. it's fine. Yeah, that kind of sets Ryu off. Ryu has kind of an amazing little rampage sequence where uh, he kicks through the windshield of yeah, uh, that's of their cool. car and yeah, yeah, it's just like the bonus stage in Street Fighter Two. <laughs> oh, dude, I did not even connect that. <laughs> oh man, I don't know that's if that's cool. literally what they're going for, but yeah, sure, why not? But dude, if there was like a checklist before you started the project, <laughs> it's like okay, we got to get this, this, this. I could see that. Ryu definitely has to beat up on a car. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. But yeah, there's a little cute moment with him grabbing that girl and they take her away. And she's like, I got you your money like, back. I had your or... change. Yeah. yeah. And also, I speak like... Japanese for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> Ryu's, now he's motivated. Mm-hmm. He sees like the right. evils of yeah. this terrorist organization. Yeah. And then, yeah, he, this is where we kind of start the like buddy buddy movie with like E Honda and Ryu. And uh, right. yeah, we said like E Honda's kind of played for laughs and he wants to like split the money because he's like, oh, I know I owe it to you. And yeah. It's I, I have yeah I think Yonda's really fun yeah um, mm-hmm. it's cute mm-hmm. this movie and after this now you see M Bison and his evil guys mm-hmm. talking about evil stuff and what they uh, know now is that Ken exists and he has a similar fighting style to Ryu so they can't find Ryu so they're like well, let's get this guy and um there's a little kind of mad scientist looking dude <laughs> that they yeah. show and then sort of like Krang if he was like, more <laughs> sure. human or something I like that comparison yeah it's really good um he's got the yeah this kind of cool character design they've never actually had him like straight up in the games but he's been since after the movie he shows up in some endings in street fighter alpha and actually in street fighter 3 there's like a background stage that has him like kind of working on a computer so it's kind of cool but i don't even know what his name is yeah but um basically yeah now they're like all right let's go get ken Mm -hmm. there's a short scene here where they use like cg yeah it's like a monitor it's very 90s anime cg like you only see it sometimes but yeah and it's grainy so that kind of helps yeah yeah i think the kind of grain overlays Mm -hmm. help but yeah Yeah. um they're basically like yeah trying to spy on the like the interrogation 
Mm-hmm. Um, and this basically set ups the encounters towards later in the film. So, and Bison's like, all right, I'm going to go get Ken. And uh, Vega, Claw, you're going to go deal with Chun-Li. And Sagat's like, oh, what about me? And he's like, oh, you just sit behind. Which is really a shame because yeah. Sagat is like such a cool character. But they just kind yeah. of discard him after that first uh yeah that, that's true mm-hmm. yeah and, and after the... and cammy again it's like they're in this like um <laughs> police building. interrogation room and it's like they i mean maybe they need to be in their costumes so you know who they are yeah but, but it's, it's it's still fine it's like it's why fun. is cammy yeah. like cammy should be in like you know like a prison something Orange or other jumpsuit yeah or something. yeah for me, loving like Street Fighter, I think Street Fighter as a game is like such a strong uh, example of character design. That, right, right. I mean, I get it, but yeah, I you kind of want to honor that as much as yeah, possible. These characters are so cool that. and so individual from each other. Like, mm. yeah, I, I'm like, what? And also, yeah. like, whatever. I'm not well, a good person I, to ask yeah, about this stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's why I think Chun Li in the shower scene. I mean, she should have just been fully clothed. Yeah, really. exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah, issues. exactly. <laughs> I love that. Oh man, that's funny. Yeah. But also, yeah, that's a good point because when her fight scene, her major fight scene in the movie, yeah, she's not wearing her. She's outfit. She's not wearing her outfit. So I mean, I yeah, <laughs> that's, we'll that, get there. Definitely one way to. Yep. Chun Li and Guile encounter each other again, and. They kind of have a mutual understanding. Mm-hmm. She tells him that she knows he's out for revenge, but she understands that and that Shadaloo uh, killed her father. So she's yeah. basically got the same motivation as he does. And he's this is another great uh, uh, night scene. Yeah, just mm-hmm. some like really beautiful lighting and camera angles. And, and this is where you get the Chun Li theme. This kind of oh, right, slow right. jazz fusion kind of arrangement of her theme. That there's also this uh, like she's playing this game of chicken. She's stood in front of his mustang and yeah. she's like yeah come and get me and then he like pumps the gas for a second and stops like just in front of her it was like yeah. guile guile fighting her like with his car which mm-hmm. that could yep. be a cool game like is <laughs> dude is there a fighting game where like there are cars There's a character that's side? a car <laughs> listen listen to me all right Fighters Mega Mix for the Sega Saturn is like this okay. kind of Sega uh, mishmash of lots of different games. So Virtual Fighter, uh, even Virtual. That's Cop, right. Isn't there a Sonic Daytona USA fighter? You can play as the yeah the car from Daytona USA <laughs> oh, in dude, that game, awesome. <laughs> That's and right. it's just as amazing as you can imagine. <laughs> wow. He has a throw where he grabs you and rubs his tire on your face oh my god <laughs> it's so good yeah uh, but nothing like that in street fighter but uh not yet yeah, I street fighter it. 6 we'll see that's sure all cars all everyone's cars. a car now street fighter 6 <laughs> yeah. is a car racer <laughs> yeah um, um it, now guile and chun li are on the hunt for these fighters because they know that shadaloo is uh chasing after people mm-hmm. so we get a cameo from dj who's yeah. one of the newcomers from super street fighter and um Actually, yeah. he's the only character from the original 16, 17 characters in the game that was designed by Capcom USA. So James Goddard, who's a dude that uh, I, I kind of knew from fighting games and stuff, but he actually designed DJ. And he's based on um, Billy Blanks, the Tai oh. Bo. Oh. oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. I believe that. Yeah. Oh, wait. No, I think I had heard that years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I forgot it. Yeah. And um, in the games he has on his pants, it says Maximum. And the, it, originally, based on the design, it said Mantis, but when you would 
jump over to the player two side, seeing it inverted wouldn't work. So they use maximum oh, because that word it works backwards works both ways. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. So they encounter DJ here, and it's very short. I he doesn't really get. Love the cyborg that's just wearing like a baseball oh, cap and a little jacket yeah. that says Jesus on it. <laughs> Jesus, isn't yeah. that great? That's such a Japanese thing. I blend in with America. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's really funny. And Chun Li kicks his head off, mm-hmm. and there's this funny like shot of him walking around without his head. Mm-hmm. But there's this yeah. hilarious beat at the end of this scene when they all get together and they're like, all right, you got to get out of here. And they cut to a rooftop and there's a fireman on the rooftop and it's like this dramatic sting of the cyborg as a fireman. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It's really funny. It's so funny. Uh. But the other thing is when the cyborgs, when they look up Chun-Li's data, they have like a listing. It says master and it says B period Lee. And uh, her fighting mm. gym is listed as Lee Kung Fu Kung Fu School, so it's like kind of this thing is oh, like, gotcha. oh, Bruce Lee, like hello, you know, this <laughs> kind of she's from China, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Right. I thought that was kind yeah. of funny. That's fun. But, um, oh, that's that's cool. Yeah, and we cut to and Bison, and they're like, oh yeah, using there also the, was never mind. I won't. Mention they're it. using the cyborg to like leer at Chun Li, yeah. basically. Okay. Yeah. They're like, yeah. hey, check her out, mm-hmm. and then uh, Vega's like, all right, I'm gonna go take care of this yeah. lady. <laughs> and now we get to yeah. see the uh in evil people party it's the only way i can think to describe it because yeah. it's like this this super fancy high party in like a high rise and there's like a, a fight that's going to be like the entertainment for the night i guess yeah. and there are these like playboy bunnies that are yeah mm-hmm. yeah waitresses and stuff it's very yeah. japanese <laughs> um and but balrog's like there a, yeah. or a boxer yeah Zangi, if you're a big Zangi fan, you might be a little disappointed mm-hmm. with his screen time or his amount of screen time I, in the well, movie. But I, he has an amazing yeah. uh, uh, entrance here. Mm-hmm. Like he looks just awesome. I think I love Zangi. He's like everything to me. <laughs> and like <laughs> I think even though he's in this short amount, you can't really do anything with that guy because he's just a big lumbering, lumbering yeah. oaf. But he looks awesome coming out. He's got this cloak on, and this is another thing that in the Street Fighter Alpha games when they introduce Zangi. He his intro has that cloak and he tosses it off. So um, he comes in and Blanca shows up, who is like the beast man from Brazil. And um, they have, I guess it's a really good pairing, you know, like you got Zangief, who's this huge monster of a dude. And he's fighting Blanca, who's a monster. A literal monster. And the one thing I really like is you get a really cool Zangief's special uh, throw in the game is called the spinning pile driver. And you get a yeah. really well animated yeah, really cool. spinning pile driver in this game. I mean, movie. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I was I was wondering how long it would take me to mix <laughs> game and movie when we're talking about this film. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's really good. It's but ultimately, cool. he's uh, defeated by Blanca, who can generate electricity. He has electric powers, and it's kind of hard to yeah. beat. I've got to say one of my favorite moments of like honoring uh, the game is uh, when Blanca, he like positions himself against this back wall and then yeah. kicks off and he does his role. And mm-hmm. yeah, it looks great. I- I'm a giant Blanca fan. I can't like explain or <laughs> understand why. Um, but yeah, I would, when I would play the game, I always imagine like Blanca's like really like central to the story. Um <laughs> So he, yeah, oh. I wasn't e- expecting him to be kind of like discarded like this, but I think it really works. It, I mean, it serves the the story they're telling. 
in the Jean-Claude Van Damme film, they position Charlie, who is Guile's, like, partner that gets killed by M. Bison, and that's what the whole reason for Guile's revenge. They yeah. actually make him turn into Blanca at the end of the film. Oh, I so, like, he's, like, subject of these experiments, and they turn him into Blanca, and he shows up just, like, at the end, very end of the movie as Blanca. But the thing about that movie that cracks me up is they named him carlos blanca (laughs) 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 so so like i have this like oh okay of all the characters like all right i i'm blanca i guess that's dude no i love what you dude i think you said that zangief is everything to you i would you really should put together some kind of like montage mv with that michelle branch song Um, (laughs) (laughs) nice yeah i'll do that zangief (laughs) <laughs> or or learn it on acoustic guitar yeah. or, or something. <laughs> I I don't know. Great. So I always thought Zangief was cool, but it wasn't really until Street Fighter Four came out that I really started to like. He was my uh, main in Street Fighter Four, and um, even in Street Fighter Five a little bit. I'm not super into Street Fighter Five, but when I was playing Street Fighter Four, was the first fighting game that I cared about that had online play that I was like, I'm going to try this out. So I started to play people online. And like I said, I used to play Ryu. So I was playing as Ryu, Guile, and Vega with the claw in that game. But when I would play people online, everybody was using these characters at the time. And I'm like, this is boring. I'm just playing who everybody else plays. So I'm like, I'm going to pick somebody else. And I was just like, I'm going to pick Zangief. There was no really, I just, I thought he was cool, but there was no super like, involved reasoning behind it and then like once i started playing as him like i think grapplers in fighting games like these types of characters that have to get close to get an advantage i think there's something really rewarding about that and it's a a lot of fun there's a lot of mind games behind it and i mean no that's cool it's like a relationship it started out of um like something pragmatic and it like turned to love yeah yeah for sure and i mean there's always people that are better than you at stuff right and fighting games are right. a lot of that and i would say that fighting games you'll get as much enjoyment out of fighting game as the work you put into it like if you really want to get good you can put in the work and you get rewarded for that but there's always going to be somebody better and it's just this whole for me it's the real enjoyment is like making those right decisions capitalizing on them and there's always like i mean a lot of my friends that I play, like, some of them are really super good and, like, I can't even hang with them and stuff. But that's fine. Like, I like it a lot. But Zangief is, like, a really interesting archetype of a character. He looks so goofy, too. I, <laughs> he was in, what was he? Wreck-It Ralph. He was, like, had, oh, yeah, like, a, that's right. yeah. A, yeah, totally. a significant They're scene in, like, a in the movie. Group. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was, like, I never would have thought that something like that would ever happen. Like, in this Jean-Claude Van Damme film... They position him as one of the Shadow Loo like villains, but he's actually like kind of this comic relief. Quick, change the channel. That had to break Character. your heart, right? Yeah, that was stupid. <laughs> but I don't know, whatever. Back then it was like I just liked Ryu, so I didn't care. And Ryu was like sure. real oh Street Fighter, that John Club and Dam film was like one of my first like major disappointments as, oh, as yeah, like I could a child that. in popular culture. Mm-hmm. Like I think the first one was playing the X-Men game on Nintendo. The <laughs> LJN game. Oh sure, it's sure. Horrible. Like that was like my first heartbreak. But like, yeah. It's so crazy that, yeah. No, I could see, yeah, it's like, I don't know, I imagine if he had a room of 
a thousand Street Fighter fans and you ask them, it's like, okay, on three, who's the main character of Street Fighter? (laughs) And the director of the movie is the only person in the room who says, Guile! Um, I I honestly just feel like it was like, hey, this is a movie in America. We have to make the American dude the hero. I mean, it probably started... The American dude played by the French guy. Right. Yeah. It's, I'm, I'm sure they had Van Damme attached mm-hmm. as like the way they got the financing for the movie, and it's like he is probably more of a natural guile than a Ken or yeah, um, or or somebody else. But and he uh, can do the flash kick <laughs> in real life. It's pretty <laughs> you know, cool. He yeah. can actually do it, so he's guile. <laughs> and the, All right, yeah, well, he can do the scowl. This, but yeah. this episode is going to be like eight hours yeah. long. But so the next scene that we get is this infamous scene. Yeah. That we were talking about, yeah. where it's like this, it's this very yeah. romantic, slow this pan creepo, yeah. like Chun Li in the shower. But I mean, like you know, this is like saying in anime, so it's like, oh, yeah. you shouldn't be seeing this. Yeah. And it's like this iconic character, oh Chun Li, but she's oh, naked. Oh Chun Li, you can see your boobies. Yeah. And so this is one of I, the. I, whenever I um, mentioned to Alex that I had watched the movie, but I had found it through like you know less than legitimate means to to watch it because it's really hard to find a legit way to watch it he said well was the version you watched just the chun li shower scene loop for three hours (laughs) like no it's not (laughs) that's great that's really good um i mean it it is yeah i don't know uh it's yeah as far as it goes i think it's i mean it's it's really effective to like yeah, they're they're playing to the audience, yeah. I think. And the thing is, yeah. it's not and like it's because it, really the whole well, point yeah. of it is supposed to be that it it's cutting between her in the shower and just scenes of like pan across the city and then her window. Yeah, and it's supposed to be like from the perspective of of Vega, who's like climbing mm-hmm. in and, and sneaking around. And that would be cool if this was a different movie. <laughs> Like if this was yeah. a because it's like a horror movie at this point where it's like the sure. stalker breaking in. And I feel like in yeah. a different movie, you could get away with it and it wouldn't feel, you know, pandering or, you know, exploitative. Right. But it's this movie. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like it definitely took me by surprise. I, I hadn't read up on like the lore of the scene, um, but it it's a really effective part of the movie, like all all said and done, particularly like the fight that that follows. Mm-hmm. Um, so and like what we were saying earlier, it's like, oh, um, she's always in her costume and it looks a little weird. So it's like, I guess this is like yeah. uh, this is the answer to that. There is a cool thing where you see like after she comes out of the shower, she's kind of like putting her like braids together and stuff. Yeah. And it's like, uh, I don't know, it somehow was like saying something about the character where it's like I. I have to put on this role yeah. of like the Chun Li that you know, um, and then oh, this, I like that. the the fight. This this just feels like such a live action sequence. I mean, I think they did a really great job. There's a lot of kind of like you know pervy camera angles. Yeah, and a stuff lot of skirts. Like, yeah, well, I she's mean, like she's kind just of in her dressed, underwear wearing yeah. a shirt. I mean, right? yeah, but there's ways you could do it that would feel. I mean, great, but I. I didn't, yeah, imagine yeah. the director. It's like uh, I I didn't choose that wardrobe. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh no, that's just <laughs> yeah. what she brought. That's what she, she wears. That's what wardrobe's fault. I don't know. It's based on a true story. <laughs> um, um, Marty, so when you watched this, was this the version that I shared with you guys? Yeah, yeah. So you watched the Japanese version with the Japanese soundtrack, right? Because right. I think the the music choices for this scene like very. The, the the most drastic change is 
were in this scene. So like in the Japanese gotcha. version, this is a really slow, like kind of acoustic guitar, like pop song. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, the American version, I think this is the KMFDM like song where it's like super high powered, like, you know, like how they sound. So it it really changes the tone, like for me, like watching it. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think so. Chun-Li is like in the game, you know, she's like the strongest woman in the world. And it's kind of crazy seeing her in this kind of scene where she's she's like struggling Mm -hmm. to just like you know survive against vega who's like this literally like he's trying to kill her and like his claws become a big factor in this fight he's slashing at her and there's blood and um but you really do get like this from his like cellular yeah he's trying to contact her so it turns into this kind of chase and you kind of get the sense like oh chunli might die here and and all this stuff and um but just like in like the films that we we really like these this hong kong cinema stuff there's a really good narrative to this fight and there's like a really good build-up to how this fight like climaxes Mm -hmm. and i really like seeing like you know chun li's on the ropes and then vega kind of has this kind of creepy like slow um exposition saying like you know something like he's like I like skin rabbits kill, or something yeah kill bunnies and yeah. drink their blood or and then something. he like licks her blood off of yeah. his claws uh, it's oh, like whoa and yeah when crazy. he removes his mask he's just kind of like those that have played the game you're expecting this like scarred face mm-hmm. it's <laughs> and he just looks pretty normal mm-hmm. um, well and that's the thing is like he's like his beauty is such a valuable oh, right, thing right. to him so like uh, then when chun li actually kind of gets the upper hand she like stomps his face and like does like almost like an Indian burn on her, or is that a bad thing to say? <laughs> or, you know, like a snake bite kind yeah. of move to his, his face. And uh, he's like, oh, like that really sets him mm-hmm. off. Like you, you ruined my beautiful face. Yeah. And that's when yeah. kind of Chun-Li has the upper hand. The other thing that I really like that I can compare to a lot of the Hong Kong cinema that we watch, all these Kung Fu movies, is the use of space in this fight yeah, is totally. really important. Knocking her through this apartment that she has and like she uses a couch and tosses a couch at him. <laughs> and there's like this kind of rafters that they mm-hmm. use and they actually represent both of the characters really well because one of the things that chun li has in the game is she can do a wall jump so if you jump to the wall you can jump off of the wall and kind of have a bigger jump and right. um vega claw the character he, he's got this wall dive and a wall jump as well so it's a really cool pairing and yeah, in the totally. narrative of this film he reveals that he's the guy that killed her father so like there's this very personal motivation for chun li too so then when she like gets the upper hand um she knocks him to the wall and he's all like kind of dizzy and they represent her doing her lightning lens yeah. which is this rapid yeah. kick special move that everybody it's knows because you know? it's like and, yeah they cut back and forth between it coming like at your face yeah and then you see like her perspective and it's like there's this kind of like dreamy like double mm-hmm, exposure mm-hmm. sort of thing like with vegas face mm-hmm. in different places and and yeah. again this is a moment where they're not showing you the whole thing it's like not this right, wide shot right. it's like these tighter shots but you're like 
oh man, this looks so mm-hmm. cool. And then yeah. she ends up killing Kicks him, him which like, is through the drywall, wall, like, yeah. which is amazing. Yeah, which is also like for me like surprising like oh they actually killed a character yeah yeah you know? like this is a character yeah, in totally. a long-running series mm. and um yeah then she's all messed up and gal finds her and that's pretty much the end for chun li in the mm-hmm. film like she's in traction for the rest yeah. of it and that's kind of more motivation for guile to right. get at uh m bison and shadow Loom. yeah all in all i think it's probably the most like creative like interpretive scene like in the whole movie like it was not expecting anything remotely like that like from the like the nudity side of it <laughs> and also just like the brutality of it um mm-hmm. but yeah i don't know it's really powerful um definitely more adult than i think i would have expected <laughs> at at the time yeah outside but, of the final yeah, fight really well done sequence in this film i think that's my favorite yeah. uh fight in the movie yeah i could see that it's really yep. i mean it, it it does feel like there was an actual space that they like rehearsed like rehearsed that sequence mm-hmm. in or something yeah like you say they use the environment so well and it's yeah it's just yeah really cinematic so after this uh encounter we've uh, we see Ken with Eliza again, and he's it's funny he's daydreaming about Ryu while he's driving around with his beautiful wife in his sports car, which I think is so funny. <laughs> Just this whole like bromance thing, like that's the real motivation yeah. for Ken in his life. <laughs> and um, you get another flashback, and actually, this is the song that uh, Elf Lila, the Capcom sound team, uh, this is the song that they composed for the film. And oh, um, yeah, it's it's really cool. Yeah, it's really cool. There's like this, um, they're like, he's like dreaming, oh, well, remembering Ken and uh, uh, him and Ryu running through the forest and they make this leap and Ken almost falls and Ryu grabs for him and, you know, like cuts away from that, like this, like this bond between the two uh, martial artists. It's really great. But this is so distracting to him that he almost like gets in a car accident. <laughs> and I don't know if you guys noticed, but the, yeah, the, the semi yeah, it says Capcom yeah, on the side it has, has the Capcom logo on it. <laughs> that's really funny. So he drops <laughs> Eliza off and, uh, you know, that's really cute or whatever. And this... then as he's making his way home, uh, M. Bison shows up and this is when he's going to capture Ken and uh make him you know join the terrorist yeah. uh, group of shadowloo and this is really cool having them fight on top of his ship which is really crazy yeah. and uh ken kind of trying to fight and bison you gotta you see and bison's power he has like what they call is the cycle power which is like basically like this kind of telekinesis uh, and um he's throwing ken around and ken's like right. okay i'm gonna throw my fireball and it just like bounces right off of him and he hits himself yeah, yeah. there is something a little frustrating about fighting m bison in this movie because he's always just like he's never really there and he's kind of like teleporting all the time but yeah it can um, be frustrating like in a fighting game too yeah like can, dang this guy's can, just yeah. running away from me <laughs> there was there was also a really cool uh flashback just prior to that uh, that Ken was having of his time with Ryu. And I feel like a, uh, you shared like a trailer or something. And this was in the trailer. It's like and Ryu basically, it's like he's hanging over a cliff. Like, yeah, that's what I Ken. was saying. Like right at the end of that. Yep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and anyways, uh, uh, that thing, I feel like it's really cool. Like where the, the flashbacks are placed, like it, like chronologically and like where they are is it like in terms of the story of the movie. Yeah. And yeah. It's kind of like, 
yeah, nice reinforcement that, that it's like Ryu is like not going to give up on Ken. Um, mm-hmm. And it's and like, like, yeah, that yeah. tug between the two of them, even though they're apart, you know, you know, eventually in the film that they're going to meet up and how that builds in the movie is really cool. And it's like, yeah, honestly, it's like really cheesy bromance stuff, but I, I, I like it. It's it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> But he gets defeated by M. Bison in the scene and gets uh, like his his big Hadouken gets like bounced back at him or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yep. uh, he gets he gets captured and, and brainwashed. And the one line in the sub that I think I don't know what the line should be translated to. But then Bison says, I look forward to maturing you. I don't not 100 percent what that's supposed to mean. But well, what what you end up seeing is that and Bison basically like does this. I don't know, like clockwork or I was kind of I brainwash. wrote down clockwork or yeah to Ken. And um, this is something that they made up for the movie. And also you have to be Excuse naked me. for it, I guess. Because Ken's definitely yeah, that's naked. Weird. O- only way it works. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> the clothes get in way in the way of those like brainwash yeah. waves. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. He's looking um, at like this this TV with like scenes of of Ryu and, and and Bison, and I guess the whole idea is supposed to be that it it makes his his friendly rivalry with Ryu become a a not friendly like, rivalry where like he wants yeah. to actually kill. Evil motivation. Yeah, evil motivation. I like it. <laughs> yeah. And um yeah, so after that we see Ryu again doing his training and he's doing this crazy like he's like climbing on a cliffside <laughs> and he actually is like climbing like hanging upside down on a cliff. It looks really dangerous and I don't know why he does that stuff. But <laughs> <laughs> this is where you get the flashback. So we see um Ryu it and make Ken you think, sparring. Like, Tom Cruise should probably play Ryu. Uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Actually, I don't know. I I guess you could kind of see. I don't know if he was younger. It was a joke know. when it came out of my mouth, but now I'm like, yeah. it wouldn't be there. Horrible. There are a lot worse yeah. casting choices. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously he's not Japanese, so that's part of it. But that hasn't stopped Tom Cruise in the past. So. <laughs> yeah. There was a, a live action miniseries called Street Fighter Assassin's Fist that I ended up really liking and actually tying it to what we cover. Um, Mike Mole was the guy that was cast as Ryu and he's actually going to be playing Bruce Lee in Tarantino's upcoming film called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I uh, think. And um, that's kind of like a a big thing and that could really, I, I think... I don't know how substantial that role is for Mike Mall. Yeah, but it I'm could really, be I'm really pretty curious big for him. about it. Um, yeah, actually, yeah, the I, casting in that uh, Assassin's Fist miniseries was really, really good. The guy that they had playing Ken almost looks straight up like how Ken looks in Street Fighter Alpha. His name is Christian Howard, and he's from the UK, I believe. And he is like the perfect Ken on film. It's actually really cool seeing that. Um, okay, awesome. all right. <laughs> More distractions, right? <laughs> Sorry. But um, yeah, so um, this is the flashback where uh, Ken and Ryu are sparring and Ryu gets hurt and Ken actually gives him his ponytail tie, which ends up being Ryu's red headband. So that's kind of a cool little thing. Yeah. But um, yeah. basically, we're building towards the end of the uh, film. Now, Ryu training in the mountainside. They, uh, Guile and his team have finally tracked him down and they're trying to get to him before M. Bison does because they know that that's going to be really bad if uh, he's already captured Ken and if he captures Ryu, 
bad stuff, I guess, right? <laughs> so yeah, uh, totally. E Honda and Ryu are up in the mountains training, and then Gal shows up, and actually it's really funny. Gal shows up in a helicopter, and he just free jumps out of the helicopter, which to me shows me how he ends up with that hairstyle. <laughs> 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 so if you're just jumping out of a helicopter with long hair like that, it's bad news. <laughs> I like I like that lore. Yeah, dude. Yeah, it's really that's, good. That's awesome. There, <laughs> um, there are a couple of shots where um, you see the top of his hair, and it's like they have, they yeah. nail the texture. It looks like some kind of like yeah, it's really know, good. Brillo. It's almost like it's cool. <laughs> one of those things. Have you seen that thing where it's like Simpsons characters shouldn't be oh, drawn front, facing yeah, forward, yeah, front facing yeah, Simpsons? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's really funny. <laughs> um, so he catches up with them, and then and Bison also shows up just after Guile tells Ryu that. Uh, he's captured Ken. So Ryu's all fired up. And and Bison shows up with his crew and then he shows up with Ken and Ken looks like a zombie because Ken's now been brainwashed. And he's got a really cool cloak too that they've never actually used in the game. <laughs> but the whole concept of Ken being evil has actually shown up in a couple of games. And usually when he shows up that way, they refer to him as Violent Ken. Violent Ken. Oh, yes. I like it. <laughs> Which I like. So, like, there's, like, a evil Ryu. All right, and now there's a Violent Ken. Okay, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> it's a fighting game. <laughs> there's no good bison. Um, I want to no see Happy Bison. <laughs> happy Bison. That'd be he's always smiling, but he's always evil. Uh, we um, also get to see uh, Balrog, and he fights mm-hmm. Honda, yeah. and he has this weird wall-eyed look on his face. Like his eyes are literally facing like two opposite directions, and it's just weird. Yeah, and his his design and it, is yeah, kind of problematic. It's a weird. The, the, he right. does have a little bit of a problem with the the, the very light lips as opposed to his very dark skin, which. I guess I think Japan didn't get the memo until like 2005 that that's not an okay thing to do. But it's also weird because it's like it's quite a few steps back from how he's depicted in the game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. As far as like a racial depiction, Mm -hmm. but anyway, yeah, (laughs) you know. (laughs) (laughs) But basically, all the chess pieces are set Mm -hmm. now. So uh, our matchups are E Honda versus Balrog, the boxer. Yeah, which is a great. That's a great pairing. M. Bison versus Guile, which is very, like, highly motivated by Guile. And uh, Ken versus Evil, uh, I mean, Evil Ken versus versus Ryu. And uh, it's actually pretty cool because as far as fights have gone throughout the movie, they've been basically realistic with some exceptions of certain mm-hmm. moves and stuff but yeah, this one gets full here, on like dragon ball z levels of like yeah. shooting energy blasts and stuff and right, f- right flying through the air and stuff like that but i still think that it's really really well done like ken's interactions with ryu and this whole you know well, yeah, it's like driven by character um yeah in a really cool way and Ryu's very reluctant to fight his friend. You know, he's trying to snap him out of it. But Ken is really going in on Ryu. And he has some really cool looking animated uh, combinations. And and also like M. Bison versus Guile. You get to see Guile's special moves realized really well. Like yeah. I love how they animate the flash kick. And actually you don't see the flash kick on frame. You see like the before right. and after of it, but it looks really nice. And then uh Guile doing his sonic boom looks so cool. And they it actually is, have this Yeah, it is really cool. Unfortunately it's like a swing and a miss, but Yeah. Um, 
Right. And yeah, yeah and Bison's basically toying with Guile. Guile's so clouded by his vengeance that he's not really able to land a hit on him, Bison. And I'm Bison, up until the end of the film, is, I mean, basically, if he had a life bar, he would get a perfect. <laughs> yeah, totally. Right until the last sequence of the uh, movie. So he defeats Guile and Ryu and Ken. Um, Ken uh, is kind of, he's brainwashed, but he's not completely so. So Ryu's actually chipping away at his psyche. And you see Ken having these like brief flashes of Ryu yeah. as a as a younger uh, version of himself. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, Ryu keeps like appealing to, um, like, yeah, like their their history, and it like you say, it's chipping away, and it gradually does, it gradually does work. I I I love for the story that Ryu doesn't just jump into you know fighting his dear friend, but I I I I could see some people maybe being disappointed that there isn't you know sure. more of like a like martial arts combat between. Ryu yeah, and Ken. but I, I, it's maybe one of my favorite around. parts of the movie is the the choices they make here. Right, and following that, you know, Ken is cracking, and you kind of get this glimpse of um, his true self. And just as that happens, uh, M. Bison shows up and basically tosses him away. So Ryu now is trying to get at Ken, and M. Bison is standing in his way. So it's Ryu trying to fight M. Bison, and it's basically him just getting stomped. And um, this is like. My favorite track in the film is the music track. And they almost play like the whole like <laughs> track. Like if you listen to it, it's like I don't yeah. know, five to seven minutes long. And it's like this great, like just slow jazz fusion. You said there's that Iwi solo <laughs> in there. Yeah, it's it was like, really cool. Oh man, it's like super good to me. I, I love that track. And I'll definitely add that to the post yeah. when we when we uh upload this and um Ken is trying to recover now. So he's got a flashback. It's kind of this mixed up nightmare slash flashback of him being with his master. And there's this really cool thing that um, I don't know how they translate it in the dub, but in the Japanese version, it's something like um, their master asking them, what do you see beyond your fist? You must go beyond victory. Beyond what? You know, it's like this kind of, philosophical martial arts query you know like yeah what is it beyond fighting like what are the true meanings here and like they don't delve super into that but i just really like that phrase mm -hmm. sounds cool you know it's interesting it's like, that's the approach i take when i play it in the arcade and i don't do very <laughs> well. <laughs> yeah it's i like, try I, to ask that of the like dude next to me and yeah. <laughs> what do you see beyond no, my ahead. fists yeah <laughs> But it's just it's yeah, just it's a game. Great. It doesn't even matter. Who cares? Yeah, yeah. I don't even care anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Um, so Ken wakes up and he's injured and he does this kind of meditative, like, I don't know. It almost sounds Buddhist, but it, I don't know. It actually I don't not Yeah, it's I was just wondering if that was thing. if that was some like invented language, like mm -hmm. similar to like Hadouken and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I know I'm not was, exactly not sure. Really translated, I don't think. Right. Subtitles. So Ken recovers and um, Ryu's getting his butt kicked. And Ken has this really dramatic entrance where he like dives from the air. And yeah. it's, in some ways, it kind of reminds me of like, uh, you guys ever play like Mega Man X? Like, oh, yeah. Zero will just like show oh, up yeah, and, and save you. And actually, like, comparing Mega Man and Zero and Ryu and Ken is pretty, yeah, it's, pretty yeah, close. Pretty yeah, I think so. <laughs> 
Yeah. So um, he shows up, and now you have Ken and Ryu like back together again, and they're uh, united in fighting M. Bison. And um, this is, I think, one of the coolest. Like yeah, it's just totally. so cool. Like such a great reward uh, at the end of this film, where um, Ryu and Ken are fighting M. Bison together. And the choreography is like them kind of jumping in between and trading uh, partners. And it's just, yeah, ah, definitely. It's, it's super and yeah, cool. Anyone that was maybe looking forward to like a one-on-one fight with Ken and Ryu, this is actually better than what you're expecting. This is like a more satisfying payoff. And oh, like I said, yeah. It's a, yeah, just really cool sequence. And, and it's like on point for their characters. These are, like separated brothers that finally get to reunite here. So. Mm-hmm. And in the, um, I don't really know as much in the American version, but in the Japanese version, this is where we get what they call an anime. They call it insert song where you get a, like a, you know, a vocal song at a dramatic mm-hmm. point in the film. <laughs> This song is so cool, and it just ramps you up for this final fight sequence. And this was the song that I was talking about where uh, Capcom Sound Team actually adapted that and used it in Street Fighter Alpha. So in Street Fighter Alpha, there's an extra mode. It's like a hidden mode where you can basically recreate this fight. It's called Extra Dramatic Battle, and you can play as Ryu and Ken, like player one and player two are working together fighting against M. Bison as a boss. Oh, dude, that sounds awesome. It's like a tag team, like boss fight, and it's basically recreating the moments in this film. It's super cool. Wow. It, it it would become a more um, regular extra feature in later games, and you see it every once in a while. And it's just kind of a fun extra mode, but um, yeah, it's it's I super cool. Yeah. So what ends up happening is um, they get the upper hand, and it's really cool. It's actually kind of funny because they kind of cheat because. <laughs> Ryu like grabs M. Bison's leg so he kind of gets <laughs> yeah. off balance. But um, you get what kind of you're always hoping to see is them using their special moves. Mm-hmm. So Ken does a hurricane kick and then Ryu follows that up with a Shoryuken, mm-hmm. which is like this cool tag team combination. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, um, Ryu and Ken join together in doing like a Hadouken, their fireball attack. And it like yeah, it's like super anime. Yeah, they like, like spin together, together and yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it just hits on Bison. He can't defend it, and not only is he uh, defeated, but he's launched into his own ship and it explodes. <laughs> Which is like whoa, what a defeat! Yeah. <laughs> and that's basically like the it's basically the end of the movie. The, the high point, yeah, of, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's kind of. The climax. The high point of the end of the The film. The ending next scene is the uh, Interpol defacing definitely priceless architecture that's like this (laughs) ancient statue that's just getting blown up so they can find the secret hideout. Chun-Li's doing okay and, you know, everything's everything's great. Yeah, Chun-Li takes a really interesting approach to (laughs) showing her, like, progress. Because <laughs> actually, one of my favorite moments is, and I guess it's less jiffable. It's more about like the sound of it. Guile gets this call that it's like, oh, you need to go to this New York Central Hospital. And I didn't know what state he was in prior to this. 
It seemed <laughs> like he was like, I thought he was on the West Coast. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> um, he like turns his car around. Uh, he weaves it like right in front of the hospital. And the way he runs into the hospital, I think he just says, Chunli, Chunli, or something. Yeah. Just giant it's, dude running through the hospital hallway. <laughs> I don't know. It made me so happy. I, I'm not sure why. It's <laughs> great. But yeah, so then she's underneath a sheet in the hospital room. And so he, of course, fears the worst that she's dead. And then she flips off the sheet and she's like, that's that. <laughs> and, it's, and then he starts to like play like, yeah, it's I don't know. It's, it's supposed to be like a cute fight mm. or something. And it's like they kind of play it like they don't talk like in the games. Giles married and he's clouded by revenge. So he like leaves his family. And that's the ending of the game is him just about to get revenge. And then his family shows up. So he returns to his family. He yeah. goes home and becomes a family man. Yeah. <laughs> and um, but in the movie, they don't talk about that at all. And they actually you could kind of read his relationship with Chun-Li as like at this kind of more than just a business. Oh, thing, to- you know? totally. Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of rewards you in that scene and then we get to see ryu and ken uh on the side of the street and i guess middle of nowhere america i don't know um yeah by like this little road stop eliza comes by and and picks up ken ryu's like i'll i'm I'm gonna walk and and then we get the (laughs) so i think it's kind of dumb but it's it's dumb it's really (laughs) dumb it's super dumb. It's a great little fake out where like the credits start rolling and like he's walking down the street, but then a big semi comes by and it's about to hit yeah. Ryu and who's driving it. It's M. Bison. Uh... <laughs> yep. So Ryu like jumps into yeah. the air and what he says is chaser, which is like this little segment, like is something that a lot of fans were like critical of like why did this why is this in the movie at all and Ryu like why is Ryu like kind of jokingly jokingly saying this <laughs> you know English phrase and, and it's like whatever but you do kind of get this kung fu movie yeah. freeze frame at at the end of the film which I thought was now we'll say this is where I think a corn song kicks in in the dub oh, it's no, really? it's so bad <laughs> oh. and I love it <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> man, that's messed so, up. So that's the that's how the movie ends. Yeah, there's something about like the juxtaposition of I don't know, like this like post grunge music <laughs> with this style of animation, and just don't see how they would ever like stick together. Yeah, yeah, totally. But that's it, man. This is this movie yeah. that I love so much, and hopefully, you people listening enjoyed mm-hmm. this a bit and. Dude, if it was we, so fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And also, one I one more fun to... thing real quick is in the very end of the credits, we get a nice little thing that oh, says, right. coming oh, yeah. in spring 1995, Street Fighter, starring Raul Julia and Jean-Claude Van Damme. Now yeah. filming in Hollywood. You can s- now filming yeah, in Hollywood. Yeah, you can see yeah. how excited they mm-hmm. were that. And there's you know, no this, Japanese translation for it, right, too, which I thought was This Japanese cool. property, you know, it's going to be a big hit in the United States. And everyone's going to love That's it. That's funny. So yeah, we're we're back, guys. This is uh, <laughs> my self-indulgent yeah. episode of Heroes. No, don't 3, worry. We'll, so hopefully no, you we'll get a martial law episode. Don't you worry. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. But this is this is so great because this is also our first episode since we all got together mm-hmm. at Magfest, and hopefully we got to see Carlos play a lot of Street Fighter. <laughs> and uh, we actually, for the very first time. Mm-hmm. In our history, we watched a movie all together at yeah, the same place. Yeah, we sat down and all watched uh, Wheels on Meals together. 
and guess hey guess so what good. that movie's still really good <laughs> oh my yeah, gosh so great. it's funny i keep thinking about it like since mm-hmm. rewatching it has it been popping mm-hmm. up in your guys's head oh, yeah. oh much? always <laughs> yeah dude that's the end but i don't know it feels like that would be like a cool ritual like in my family we watch it's a wonderful life every mm-hmm. year actually we usually watch it around thanksgiving to kind of like prepare for <laughs> christmas but mm. um I don't know. I, yeah, I like the idea of like a ritualistic yeah, yeah. Mo- movie tradition. Completely agree. Oh, for sure. <laughs> it would be great if we could get out uh, all together more often. Then once than a year, but yeah. Magfest but... Is, yeah, totally. Yeah, Magfest is a lot of fun, and it was great and pretty overwhelming at times. But I, I just had a lot of fun hanging out with all of you guys. And yeah, totally. Really, uh, if anyone even will consider going to Magfest, please just let us yeah. know. Like, it's yeah, super definitely. fun. Yeah. You can play some Street Fighter. I did get a lot of good games of Street Fighter in. Um, Dude, the competition is really ones. strong at Magfest, actually. And, you, and I felt like you kept running into people that you knew, like yeah. So I did end up running into a person that I know from my hometown out there. So um, I did know that he was from around there. I didn't know that he went to Magfest all the time, and uh, we got some games in there. But I actually, ended up just recently going over by his place and playing some super turbo by his place he actually has a a cabinet in oh his very apartment, which is oh, wow yeah it was really fun so there was yeah. a like a a balrog uh Feilong match that i remember was really great um, that was yeah that was me playing against him yeah that yeah, was awesome that was that was so cool. i yeah i love it it's it's really cool magfest is so mm-hmm. crazy yeah it's like a stadium size arcade and also a concert festival mm-hmm. and Actually, yeah, we should say, like, the Mercado Bros, you guys were able to interview Takashi Tateishi, yeah. who is, like, the composer uh, from Mega Man 2. is like, this legendary thing. And not only that, but you were so able to surreal. Oh, play yeah. Airman from Mega Man 2 in his presence, yeah. which, yeah. I mean, might have actually been the first time he's ever heard that played live. Yeah. It, that's it's, that's what we that's what we think. You were right next to him. Yeah, right I was. Too. I took a video of, yeah. of him listening to Man, it. And it was and he's just the sweetest guy. Like and his story is unfortunately a little too common with like some of the great Japanese video game composers, which is there was little to no feedback for um how successful and beloved their their work was. And so for years he had no idea how much his Mega Man 2 music was cherished uh, around the world, particularly in the West. And um, luckily, there's there's been kind of a change in direction and more people kind of getting the chance to connect with him and share their experience. And yeah, Will and Carl and I talking to him, it was, yeah, it was, it was really magical. Feel really just continue to think back on it and really grateful for it and it's yeah i don't know magical things seem to happen Mm -hmm. at magfest and um yeah like carlos is saying if if you're remotely on the fence um considering Mm -hmm. going yeah please do give it a try and we'd love to we'd love to see you there yeah yeah it would be awesome and um even more so and i think we mentioned robo girl too on the podcast before but (laughs) i'm i'm gonna say this right now that by the time this episode comes out which should be beginning of february first wednesday in february that's the plan you will be able to enjoy that album because i've got to finish the artwork and i've been working my ass off trying to get this done (laughs) the artwork yeah the artwork looks incredible and it's a collaboration between alberto and carlos um Yeah. yeah really excited and uh actually um Gave uh, 
Tate Ishii-san a, a copy of uh, a RoboGirl 2 CD that it yeah. made. And yeah, that was... Yeah. Uh, it's one of the six, yeah i'm I'm trying not to think yeah. about it really <laughs> <laughs> great mm-hmm. stuff and yeah so okay this episode we basically covered kind of all of the aspects of the marcado bros network marcado bros yeah. even major third we talked about some video oh, yeah. game music stuff and and uh underscore yeah, totally. we talked about danny Score elfman stuff. and all this mm-hmm. stuff so yeah, and it's man. a little bit of everything that you can hear in all the marcado <laughs> yeah, network <for> episodes <laughs> yeah totally and that's another thing that hoping for in the the year it had is that we can uh have even synergy more, um can yeah even more kind of connective <laughs> yeah, yeah. tissue and hopefully more activities where we're all kind of uh mm. collaborating together great. which should be great yeah well thank you so much for listening thank you so much for making it all the way to the end if you're listening because this is gonna be a long episode <laughs> you win if you like the show please leave us a review on your podcatcher of choice so itunes stitcher whatever you're listening to this on Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We are at Heroes, the number three podcast on all three of them. I just recently created a Giphy where I'm collecting all of the uh, all of the Yay. gifts that I make for the podcast. So if you want to check that out, I'm not 100% how you could find it, actually, because you have to be, like, approved in order to search it. I don't know. I'll post links really? for it. Yeah, it's a weird thing. That's oh, that's wow. a, that's an off podcast conversation. But Oh, yeah, you can't really, like, search the user's, yeah. like, output. Yeah. Oh, but I'll, I'll, I'll post links for it on the on the episodes. Dude, I'm so, so excited. But I don't, honestly, I feel like it's, like, Library of Congress level. <laughs> where, like, yeah. This is stuff that should – we've talked about this before, mm. like – this should have been a part of like internet culture yeah. kind of like from the boom mm-hmm. and it just it just didn't end up yeah. happening that way so this is great yeah. thank you so much to the kung fu cinema subreddit for your check us out from there and so in kind of a interesting twist our uh we're gonna have a little bit different training for next week related to this movie so carlos you want to explain that a little bit so um i mentioned this movie in our pedicab driver episode this movie was supposed to be a Street Fighter film, and for whatever reason, licensing fell away. Um, it's a, a film from uh, 1993. It's directed by Wong Jing. It's called Future Cops, and it's pretty ridiculous. If you're familiar with this film, it's probably actually maybe from seeing like the ridiculous clips on YouTube or like gifs of uh, <laughs> these characters. So um, yeah. even though it isn't street fighter you'll see a lot of similarities (laughs) (laughs) in this film so we're gonna have a little bit of fun and watch this movie before we get back into some of the like more traditional stuff i guess i would say yeah yeah well until next week we're taking a look at future cops i'm matthew i'm marty i'm carlos and we are the heroes three remember your training Heroes 3 is part of the Mercado Brothers Podcast Network. 